welcome to another episode of Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people by creative people. I am creative person Christopher Talon, host of the show. I'm really excited because today I've got an interview with Peter Terrace, a veteran surf photographer who's I'm not even kidding. His work has inspired dreams of mine. I've actually seen his pictures, taken them out of the magazine, put them up on the walls and places, and then at night, seen those pictures come alive in my dreams. So when I found where he was on social media, I had to reach out to him and he was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Your show is amazing. I was already a super fan. Okay, maybe not, but now he is. I guarantee it because we spent almost three hours talking to each other. A record by far. But before we get to the show, I want to tell you about my friends. My buddy Vince opened the Irie Kitchen in Grand Rapids a couple of years ago when he was 19 years old. He's been taking a lot of his family's recipes. His family comes from Jamaica by way of England. Amazing story. His parents are both from Jamaica, met in London, came here. Now we have Vince, who's a native Grand Rapids guy, who's been bringing his family's tradition of cooking this amazing Caribbean street food, bringing it to us here in Grand Rapids. We are so fortunate. If you are in the West Michigan area and you eat food, you have to go to the Irie Kitchen. It is the best. Every time I've told somebody to go there, they've come back and said, it's better than you said it was. And I really hyped this place up. Go check them out at www.irie.kitchen. Yep, there's no at the end www.irie.kitchen nestled deep in beautiful kentucky is this little company called baby farm soaps they're so small you can only find them on facebook go there tell them hey you know what i heard about you on creative ops and i gotta check you out because i heard that your soap is amazing feels great the bars last forever and that you've also got bath bombs and beard balm and lip balms of all sorts and flavors. Yeah, it's true. They've got everything that you need for your manly or feminine bathroom needs. Go check them out. It's amazing. All organic stuff made with love and care, and they can even customize the labels. They make great gifts. You're looking for a gift for a bachelor party or a bachelorette party or for a birthday or for a wedding or just an individual thing to give somebody to say, hey, happy birthday, or hey, I was just thinking about you in the pandemic. I know we can't all be together. Here's a beautiful gift basket from Baby Farm Soaps. I hope this lifts your spirits. Check them out on Facebook, Baby Farm Soaps. This show is possible in the first place because of Hey Guys Media Group. You can find them at heyguysmediagroup.com and on social media, but start there, heyguysmediagroup.com and see what these guys can do for you. Because if you have ever thought about making a podcast, these are the guys to talk to. They can consult you before you get started. If you're already going, hey man, I want to do it. I just don't know what to do, what gear to get. What do I need? How do I do it? They can get you started. They can do it all for you for the first episode, first couple episodes. You can buy a package. You can go episode to episode. Say, we want to keep you on full time. You guys are great. You guys have the experience we need and the professionalism that we need. You're our guys from here on out. Or just say, hey, will you teach me how to do this myself? That's what I did. And look, I can almost do it now. So go to heyguysmediagroup.com. Find out how they can help you make your podcast. Heyguysmediagroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the OG sponsors of the show, River Town Adventures. Check them out at rivertownadventures.com. They are the most fun, I know I say it every time because it's true, you're going to have outdoors in Lansing or anywhere else for that matter, but you got to go to Lansing to see them. Not just in Lansing because now they've got some new routes too. So now you can go down the Grand River, the Red Cedar River, 
and the Looking Glass River. So in and around Lansing, the best, by far, award-winning to prove it, River Town Adventures. Get over there, tell them, hey, I heard about you guys on Creative Ops. And they're going to say, you know what? Time to live free, go paddle. RivertownAdventures.com. Go check them out. My guest today was Peter Terrace, who is a veteran surf photographer who has worked for decades, well, to, to be specific, between magazines like Surfer Magazine and Transworld Surf. He's taken some really, really iconic images over the years and some that have been of personal value to me. As I had said before, I used to dream about the pictures in those magazines, specifically some of his. And uh, it was really fun to get to talk to somebody who's given you, you know, that kind of uh, that kind of experience with the uh, with a piece of art, you know. So we talked about that and got a little into the weeds and talked about lots of other stuff too during our all night overnight conversation from uh, him being on the west coast we ended up starting for me in the midwest like at 10 o'clock at night and then finishing at like one o'clock in the morning so this one's a little longer than normal but uh it was a fun conversation so i hope you guys like it without further ado here is my conversation from the other night with my new friend peter terrace Go check him out. He's Peter Terrace on Instagram and check him out. He's also part of the Stellar Stories, which is stellar.co. And you can find him at stellar.co forward slash Peter Terrace, which is also in the notes. Here it is. Peter Terrace. Thanks, everybody. spent the entire time talking about yesterday's kook of the day oh yeah yesterday's kook of the day spin class dude that was i just got done laughing at that for like a minute straight <laughs> yeah that one was pretty good did you see the one today on the new shirt the day oh oh with uh him ron and his son or yeah. john i said yeah I, I have ron stuck in my oh, head now from the video where john died oh yeah yeah um yeah i don't think there's any I don't think there's any, I mean, I'm pretty new to like the kook of the day game. Um, you know, being part of that now for just about a year. So like, and I'm more of like the marketing, like you should get the kook on the show or get beef on the show to talk about kook of the day. Cause those guys are just hilarious. Like they could just riff off and on, or even like Jonathan Wayne Freeman, for example. But, um, yeah, that dude's funny. But they would be like, I would say, just talking terms, like they would do a better job of like giving you the ins and outs of the history of the channel and stuff, which is freaking yeah. hysterical. Do that. Yeah, I've been enjoying I'm that. Guy. Say that again. I said I'm the new guy on that team. Oh, OK. Well, then let's start with uh, the old stuff that you did before uh, the new stuff that you're doing now. Um, yeah, absolutely. For a long time, you took pictures for various surf magazines, uh, surfer magazines, surf magazine, and others, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Transworld, and then surfing, and then surfer. So between the two, since 1996. So, yeah, what is that? My math's horrible. So, over two decades. Yeah. Well. When you got into photography, 
did you know, like, did you get into photography specifically to do that? Or were you interested in photography and then that came along or, you know, like two interests merged together? So it's funny. That's like <laughs> how I got into, I've, I feel like a better part of my life. I've always got into something out of like necessity. It wasn't like, oh, I want to get into photography because I really love picking up the camera. I actually took photography class in high school as I think I was a junior or senior at San Clemente High School. And I absolutely hated it. I lasted like seven days in the class. And they're like, they're like, yeah, so the aperture is, you know, 5.6. And we're going to do a 500th of a shutter speed. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like math. Like, what are you talking about? Like shutter speeds. And it was just like, it sounded like numbers to me before even picking up the camera. Yeah. Before our introduction to even like getting the camera in our hands, like we had to learn all like the shutter speeds and apertures. And that was like math to me. I'm like, I just want to shoot a photo. Like, yeah. and they're like, oh, you're going to be processing your own film, by the way, and making your own prints. And I'm like, oh my God, this sounds like, this sounded like rocket science to me. You know, this is back in 96 when it was all like, you know, print film. So I actually like couldn't stand it. And it wasn't until like, Oh, what was it? It was probably like, I mean, that was 90. So yeah, I took that class in like 93, 94. And it wasn't until like my senior year of high school where there was a local surf photographer uh, and a journalist, uh, Fred Swagels. He's an icon kind of in the, the San Clemente community. And uh, he was, he's like, I got this old water housing. If you know anyone that wants to buy it. And it was like a camera and a lens it was like a minolta camera a minolta 50 millimeter fixed lens and like this old shoebox water housing and now all- a fixed lens just to make sure that that means like you can't switch out lenses on it it's just the what you got on there right yeah, it's just a 50 millimeter straight 50 millimeter lens like no okay. zoom or anything right and it's just he's like i'll sell it to the whole thing for like 150 bucks and like i was i'm like oh man like 150 bucks so i started like I don't even know. Like, I think I was looking in like the, the magazines or something or like, I don't even know if the internet existed there, but I'm like, Oh, I'll sell it for like two fifty. I'll make like a hundred bucks. And like, I was, you know, I was just thinking of like, just trying to make like a quick buck, trying to turn the thing around. And I actually got it in my hands and like the battery was full. So like, I think it even had like a roll of film in it. So I'm like, Oh, I'll just shoot a couple of pictures. And it ended up like shooting like a roll of film with it. of my younger brother who was like, Growing up in San Clemente, even in the 90s, in the 80s, like everyone was like, a prof- you knew, like there were so many professional surfers. I mean, this is going back, I mean, seven generations now, you know, of of somewhat professionalism in the sense, give or take, whether they're getting free surfboards or, or whatnot. But um, so I guess, you know, everyone in San Clemente was you know, a professional athlete. And so my brother was actually a, a, a red hot up and coming amateur. And so I just started shooting photos of him huh. and like, he actually started to win contest and like, I still had the camera around. I was throwing it on the water every once in a while. And, uh, eventually, you know, he started winning contests and then he started winning everything in his division. And then he started winning everything in the next division up. And then he had his surf as like 11 year old, he had a surf against 15 year olds and he was still winning those divisions. And so, that was like, okay, well, maybe I can make a buck here because people started asking me like, hey, do you have any photos of your younger brother? Like, you have a camera, you have a water housing. Like, and so I just started, uh, I just started shooting. 
photos of him and actually starting to sell photos of him. And then I met Mike Lawson through that and then Nathan Yeomans. And then kind of one thing turned into a, another and kind of just steamrolled into graduating high school, shooting photos. And then, you know, the magazine starting to give me film, surfing magazine, well, wave action originally. Um, John Kepler, I submit photos of him and he gave me like 50 bucks, a hundred bucks. And then surfing magazine gave me a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And how so, old were you when you first started, uh, like submitting photos for people? I guess I was 17. You know, I started submitting photos to publications when I was 17, my junior year. And it was mostly just like, like, I think I got my first check was like 50 bucks. And I was like, oh my God, like they give me 50 bucks for this photo. And then like, like really soon after that, because there wasn't a lot of water surf photographers and saying, and it sounds crazy to say now, but like back then in the mid nineties, there wasn't like a ton of like water surf photographers, meaning in St. Clemente, there was like a couple and that was like, you're talking that, the guys that actually get in the water and yeah, like the water, let the so, surfers get like inches from their face. Yeah. So I had that old bulky water housing and was taking it out there, floating it around and there wasn't a lot of people doing it. There was, you know, Larry Flame Moore, who was an icon for Surfing Magazine, photo editor at that um, time. And there was Jeff Flint, who was also a local um, brilliant uh, surf water photographer who was already at that point staff for, oh my God, there's Jeff Flint. You know, like, I think he was like 21 and I was like 17 or something. And I would always ask him because you'd like try to, you'd see him and be like, so what shutter speed are you shooting on? What aperture? It wasn't like you shot the photo and you looked on the back of your camera like, oh yeah, exposure's on, right? It was like a full guessing game and everyone had their little secrets mm -hmm. on how they were processing their film and they're pushing it two thirds of a stop and a half stop and oh, you're shooting Velvia? Oh, you're shooting Provia film? Like everyone had their little secrets and you kind of kept it to yourself. Yeah. Was it, it was kind of like, that's how you made your money was having like really sharp photos that were exposed correctly. I was going to say, did did it take a while to get people to to give you those tips? Or once you were like in the building, were they like, oh yeah, man, for sure? I remember like when I started to figure it out, like I remember people were like, oh fuck, like his photos are like actually sharp now. Oh, so it was competitive. It wasn't like a, hey, let us let us help you out. It's competitive. <laughs> the surf industry is kind of funny that way. You know, it's like everyone's like, best buddy but also everyone's like super competitive like oh my god you got the cover shot that's great and you're like kind of like smiling through your teeth but um <laughs> no i mean i think everyone has like the best interest for everybody but back then like it was i didn't realize how quickly it was going to steamroll into like a career like from wave action to surfing magazine surfing magazine being like 97 98 and like them giving me hundreds of dollars worth of film to go out and shoot and then them going, hey, we're going to pay you $500 a month. And my rent at that time in Capo Beach, you know, was like 350 bucks. So between shooting surf photos um, and delivering pizzas a couple days a week, I was making like two grand a month. Like I was like rolling in money back then. Yeah. Two grand a month was like, you could do whatever you want. You're like doing <laughs> like popping bottles into bottle service, you know, like... <laughs> But like, it, it was crazy. Like, you know, surf photographers made more money in the 90s and even in the early 2000s that they way more than they do now. It's, yeah. it's has it Has it just become like, has the market for photographers just become overcrowded or? Uh, no, I just don't think. 
I don't think brands are just like, it's probably like a discussion week. We we'll have this after a couple beers here. We'll have this in like an hour and a half and we'll get into like where it is now. But just back then it was, you know, the surfing magazine and being at surfing magazine for, you know, four years as a senior photographer there or whatnot from 97 to 2002 in that five-year span and selling ads, it was like, I mean, all my other friends were going to college and it was like, I had like, I had like 70 grand in the bank and my dad's going, you could buy that. Like there's this health and short cliffs right now. That's like kind of falling off the cliff. It has some foundational problems, but it's on sale for like 140 K. Like you could put 50% down. That house now is worth like 1.6 million. And right. I'm like, nah, I'm going to go buy some turntables and some like vinyl records <laughs> and, and uh, just blow it on stupid stuff. Like, sure. Like a kid would do, yeah. Like a kid would do. Like, oh, I'm gonna go buy like, <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go put a three thousand dollars stereo system in my fifteen hundred dollar Toyota nineteen eighty three. Like, I was like that. I was like, ah, the sickest sound system in this eighty six Toyota should sell. I remember I spent like three grand on a sound system for like in ninety six. That was worth that. <laughs> in ninety six, I spent three grand to put into a car that was 10 years old, that was 86 Toyota Dracel. And I thought I was the shit. I would like go down to T street blasting. Like I think Snoop Dogg's like, what album was it? I think like year- the chronic was out. Like what, did, what year did the chronic come out? Like 94 or something. It was Snoop Dogg's first album. And I remember going down to T street, just was that doggy style, doggy style. That's what it was. Yeah. And I just remember going down to T Street, just blaring that album, thinking I was just like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking, but I liked it. She made me think I'm the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, baby, you want to get in this yourself? <laughs> oh my God. But there wasn't like, see, that's the thing, though, is like, I think there's that misconception, too, that like, San Clemente has always been the way it's been. Like, it's always been this like, you know, this little Spanish village by the sea that has tons of money and there's like a mini Laguna Beach. Mm. But back in the 80s and 90s, you could cut like, you could cut Laguna Beach. Like that data point was kind of the hybrid middle, but like between San Clemente and Laguna Beach, like you could cut that with a knife. Like it was too, and I'm not going to, like, it sounds silly to say, but like compared to like going to someone's house in Laguna Beach, I was like, oh, this kid's on the surf team. And, you know, he's a sophomore in, Laguna Beach High School, go to his house and you'd be like, oh my God, this is like a $4 million house where like, I mean, that was just right when like Cotton's, like when all those estates next to Cotton's Point were opening up Cypress Shore, Cypress Cove, those were like brand new developments. So when they're like really like high end, I was like, oh my God, you know, that was like the first signs of money. Yeah. Town, I feel like as far as like big money. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, that's a nice little spot. And it just kind of kept coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So I want to go back just a little bit to um, what you said that you got started just taking pictures of your brother. One of the questions that uh, a buddy of mine who is a photographer wanted to ask was, first of all, do you have to get like a special camera or is it just a housing? But you answered that for the most part, it's housing or do they actually have cameras now that you can like just dip underwater? Well, I think GoPro would probably be the closest to like the all immersive camera in one shell, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. but I mean, it's funny, like 
I truly think that like kind of anything goes when it comes to like, you could put it in a plastic baggie. You could put a Holga in a plastic <laughs> baggie or something. You could put like a disposable camera. Like I, if I guess it defines like what, like define professionalism, you know? And like, what does that equate to? Is that like a dollar sign? Is that because you're making X amount of money that you're a professional? Is it because you have X amount of like, what's the currency that, that makes you a professional or says you have to have this setup for this mm. art. Um, just, that's just kind of the way I approach it. And I understand your friend's question. Your friend's question is like, okay, well, you know, you can get the, the Nikon or the Sony or the, the Canon, like the Canon 5D Mark IV, I guess is probably like the latest, greatest thing. The Nikon, I don't even know what it is. They call it like a, I think an F5 now or something, probably probably like on an F8 or something like that but like the high-end digital SLR camera. And then you have Sony with like their A7 III now, I think it is, A7 I don't even know, or the, the X or something, I think it is. So yeah. like Sony, Canon, and Nikon make all like high-end D- DSLR cameras that are like all pretty much, you know, I think the Canon stuff isn't completely, and I'm, I'm so not like the camera nerd like I was. So um, people could poke holes in this three all day if they want to. But, um, you know, a lot of mirrorless cameras are coming out now, 50 megapixels, and you pair one of those with like a really high-end camera shell or a camera housing, which would be, you know, uh, SPL, I think, makes great stuff. And I was going to say, are those universal, more or less, or do you have to buy like specific ones for your model camera? So a lot of the molds fit like just usually one model. I think SPL has like, like their lower end SPL stuff is like can fit like three or four different molds because the plate changes is interchangeable. So you can fit like different molds into that. I think it's called like the splash series. Um, I really like his stuff. I like SPL. I miss shooting SPL stuff, but uh, yeah, that's, and that's, you know, for a cool $6,000, you can have the high end DSLR camera and the, the water housing and, you know, a fixed or zoom lens. And you're in business to, Sell your photos for a, a whopping fifteen to twenty five dollars. <laughs> Get that return on your investment. <laughs> I say, like my first three cars combined oh. cost as much as that one of those cameras. <laughs> oh my god! No, but and and we kind of veered off, but that's okay. But I wanted to to go back to when you started first taking pictures in the water. I would imagine that there's like a learning curve to that, and that it probably helps to have a surfing background yourself. Do you, do you surf or did you surf then? Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I mean, I've been a lifelong surfer. My dad was a surfer. Yeah. My dad took me down to the beach when I was a, a little kid and I started bodyboarding and then sixth, seventh grade got into surfing and then did the surf team. And, um, schools have surf teams in Cal- cause I'm, I'm doing the show from Michigan. So we definitely don't have surf teams, but yeah, like, at, you know, at first it was like the high school surf team and like you can do it if you're like a junior or senior. And then you got into the junior high school surf team and they started making like, you know, now surf teams for grade school or like even like probably kindergarten and preschool. Like there's kids that are like four years old that like surf here. It's crazy. Four years old, their dads are pushing him. Come on, you're going to be a professional surfer. <laughs> I was going to say, are any of them doing like cutbacks or anything or? There's kids here that are like seven years that could be like frontside, seven years old that can do frontside 360 years. It's like, 
their dads are like, he's the next Kelly Slater. He's got like 10 sponsors. He's making like a hundred grand a year. That's completely illegal. I'm sure. <laughs> um, let me turn off my stupid cell phone too. It's probably annoying, right? <laughs> I mean, I can deal with it, but yeah. a podcast faux pas. <clears throat> All right. No, but um, I think what I was getting around to asking, but badly was what, what was it like in the water when you first started taking pictures in the water? Was there some learning curve to that or because you understood like what the person you were taking pictures of was doing, was it kind of like, Oh, I know kind of where to be. Yeah. I think you're leading at like towards tips too. Like what, I mean, I guess, you know, number one is don't drown um, <laughs> being a strong swimmer, you know, like, yeah. Do you use a flotation device or are you just swimming? Uh, or well, standing wet, in shallow well, areas? I mean, the wetsuit carries some buoyancy in the wintertime, you know, but, um, yeah. And the housing kind of floats itself kind of half on and half under the water. So, um, oh my gosh, my daughter just interrupted our podcast. See, this is COVID podcasting. Go inside. Okay. Um, How many kids do you have? 10. No. (laughs) With COVID, it feels like you have like a thousand. I swear. It's like a house full of... uh, house full of kids it is what it seems like but you only have two and i feel yeah. like well and you've been doing because most of california all of california has been on pretty strict lockdown so you've been doing homeschool too right oh gosh it's like yeah and i remember fridays would come around and like you'd be like oh it's friday like let's go have some drinks let's go out to the bar let's go see some music <laughs> like every parent on friday was like it's friday and everyone's like oh it's friday it's like I just want to go to bed. I'm just tired. It's 7 p.m. I just I just want to go to sleep and watch my shows. Give me my my candle and my warm bath and let's go to sleep. And some Epsom salts. Yeah. Dude, oh man. My kids, are, my kids have been back in school for a little while now, but when when they were at home, it was just it was the worst. And I used to teach even, but like um there was a comedian, uh, Ryan Sickler, who said that he thinks that and he wasn't joking either. He was serious. He said, all parents who have had to help their kids with online school should get a tax deduction for whatever uh, a school parapro gets paid. Something. like, Or they should send us all to some chartered island for like three days to like rave like Burning Man, <laughs> but like just for parents. Just for something. parents. Yeah. Um. Or have a separate island nearby where the kids can stay and then we'll take a boat to the party island. Yeah, something. There has to be something like that because I just, I, I, it's just been absolutely insane. Like, and it's just crazy because like the work thing at first is like, it's fine. You know, like, and I don't even know because I've been out of work. I literally just started a new job two weeks ago and we could talk about that in a little bit, but. Yeah, mazel tov. Thank you. And. I remember, um, but I remember Pastor was like, oh, it's fine. Like, you got kids in the background. And now they're like, their kids are in the background. Like, <laughs> well, not now, but because everyone I work with right now, my new job's incredibly cool and understanding. But like, I feel like that filter of like having to teach your kids at home is, has like the sympathy filter, like, oh, your kids at home, it's fine. 
like that filter has gotten thinner and thinner where like people that don't have kids just expect you to be on point like 10, 12 hours a day, like yeah. <laughs> and interrupted. Oh, you're homeschooling kids. How hard can it be? I got yeah. three dogs. You know how hard that is? <laughs> I already kind of hated people without kids, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's gone to a, a different so. level. Yeah. But um, back. Okay. So yeah. So I think uh, back to the surfing yeah. and the tips. Yeah, what I was, and- one thing I was getting at was like, have you ever taken a board to the face or like gotten caught on somebody's fins when you were like trying to get a grid shot and you were like, oh, that's, I, that's, you can't get that close. <laughs> I, I haven't, but you know, there's definitely just to speak to your, to your question earlier, like there's, there's definitely like things that you don't do if you're a surf photographer and surf photographers get messed up and, I would even consider myself like a water photographer. That's like probably like what the the real name or what they we call each other. I would even put myself in that category because anything over like six or eight feet foot face, I'm like terrified and kind of have been like, you know, it's like you see people swimming out of pipeline. I remember going at pipeline the first time and it was like a small day. Like it was like, I'm a small day. I mean, like probably like, eight to 10 foot faces, like, like three foot, four foot Hawaiian and paddling out there and just being so insanely winded with like the rip and sucking you into the boil constantly and getting caught inside. And I was just like, and even like small days in, in Hawaii on the North shore of Oahu, like at off the wall, which is like really close to the beach, but like a really shallow wave. And I just getting caught inside there. And, you know, there's just a couple, it only takes a couple times swimming in the water shooting photos to yeah. kind of know where like your threshold is on what you're where you're capable of doing because your body will tell you it'll like you either pop a blood vessel in your chest and you'll come oh up God. coughing a little blood and you're oh. like um coughing up blood that's probably not a good sign no shit yeah i i got freaked out at blacks once i swam like blacks when it was like probably like 15 foot faces like big canyon sets coming in and got caught inside and had to duck through like three solid, like 15 foot faces. And on the third, I came up and I was just like stars and like getting ready to pass out. And I remember just like spinning into my hand because my mouth tasted like really warm and salty and spinning in my hand. And there was like blood in my hand. And that happens when your when your lungs don't get enough oxygen, like blood vessels pop, and it's I guess it's not that big of a deal, but like it freaked me out. And then ever since then, it was like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to do that. And then from there, like it was a slowly as I got older, and took on a mortgage payment and had kids and other stresses and started doing wine reviews and other things like that. You you tend to your your threshold on how much you could take kind of. You know, by the time you're like 45, you're committed to San Onofre and two foot Doheny, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, like, but so that's kind of like, you know, the kids that are young and are swimming and done water polo, you know, there's a lot of like water polo players or ex water polo players that did water polo in high school that do it or wrestling. I wouldn't have thought about that, but water polo. Yeah. That seems like that would be great training. Oh, it's like the perfect thing. It's like you got a ball in your hand the whole time and you're treading feet, water with your feet. That's like probably the best training. Like if you're a psycho water polo player, like you probably crush it, like swimming big waves, you know, at, but some of these guys are absolutely insane. Like 
some of these real water photographers will swim when it's like 30, 40 foot and like get caught in sign on like massive waves. There's a guy that body surfs Nazare in Portugal when it's like 80 foot and is like just out there with a pair of swim fins. I forget his name, but he is an absolute psychopath. Yeah, you would have to be. Yeah. Have you have you taken pictures of um, people on like insane waves, whether you were in the water, on the shore, or like on a boat or whatever? Like those, I'm thinking like those, like those layered Hamilton waves. Yeah, like I've shot Jaws or Piahi in Maui, mm. and you know, but from like the cliff, and like I've shot Mavericks a couple times. And Toto Santos down in Mexico, which is like 40, 50 feet. But completely different shooting it from the water. Like completely oh, oh, different, yeah, yeah. different ball game. When you're watching people that are surfing in those just like, like you were saying, you'd have to be a psychopath to, to even get in the water. Um, do you ever get nervous watching people that are like taking on huge waves? Like, Or are you like, these guys are professionals. Nothing to be worried about here. So you get to know a lot of the guys that you photograph too. So I would think that there's like, uh, at some point you're watching these guys going like, Jesus, dude, I hope you're going to be okay. I've always, and and this sounds funny, but it's like, it's almost watching. It's watching like a spectator sport from like the top row. Like when you're shooting it from the beach, a lot of these big waves break out. Like the reason why they're so big is because they come from very dark, deep, deep, outer shelves or deep water and they hit you know they come from like a deep trench and they hit like a very shallow part of reef and that's what makes them jack up so big um so and a lot of those waves break far out you know um and so you're watching it from like a quarter mile away you're watching it from a half mile away so you're watching it from like what would be it's like watching a concert from like it's like watching a concert from like the um from like the nosebleeds you know you're not that close to it when someone falls because they're so tiny so yeah a lot different than shooting it from a ski where you're like on the wave with that person kind of sharing that experience almost photographing it from and like you've done, you've done that before i haven't i was gonna I say that seems like logistically that would be you don't have to like tether yourself to the guy who's driving it and then just hope that he's got a good grip. Yeah. I mean, there's all I there's it's probably warrants a discussion with like one of those guys within themselves because there's so much prep. Like those guys are like the night before they know that they're gonna go and photograph that, or mm-hmm. the night before that a big wave surfer knows it's gonna like those guys are up all night checking the buoys and being like, Oh, it's you know, it's fifteen feet at 16 seconds and like they're checking the buoys and like the night before i don't think anyone even gets any sleep because they're just so full of adrenaline that tomorrow could be like the biggest the biggest wave they ever ride in their life or photograph yeah but um i've never done it i've never been like that close i've i've been i mean shooting pipeline big second reef pipeline you know when it's really thick and nasty you see someone falling you're like ooh, like i hope they're okay and there's not a lot to there's not a lot of room to fall there right there's not it's incredibly shower shallow with a very sharp reef with yeah. all kinds of curvatures to the 
to the bottom coral. I've cut my feet on the on the reef in Waikiki Beach, and that was unpleasant with just you know waves hitting you in the hips. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The the lava rocks is uh, it's this stuff's sharp. Yeah, lava is sharp, coral sharp. Um, it's you know and someone you someone told me too that it's really gnarly. Um, like I, I got a gash just kind of like across my foot from one side to the other, and they're like, "Hey, you better get that looked at because if you break a piece of coral off in there, it can actually grow in your foot or something like that." But I don't know. It was probably somebody just trying to scare a dumb Holly. <laughs> you can you can get staph. I mean, you can get staph. You can get infected. That's why you gotta scrub it, kook. There's no shore. That's what they say. There's Rick Kane pedals out a pipeline and hits the bottom and comes in and the local girl runs to his side and is like, or he's in the shower and he's like bleeding. And he's like, like what? You hit the reef. I forget what they say, but there's a line in that movie. It's like, well, why are you doing the, the local kids are like, scrub it, kook. And, and then the local, he finds the local girl and the local girl puts aloe, ger- aloe vera on his cut. And like, they fall in love. And wow. then he ends up winning the world title. It's you know, all in a day's work. But North Shore, that's, that's fantastic. Like, that's a great, it's, I mean, outside some of the corniness, it's a brilliant movie. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the North Shore, Wahoo. Yeah. Rick, Rick Kane, Larry Hamilton. It's good stuff. Man, speaking of, that's the second time now we've said Larry <laughs> Hamilton. You're talking about, <laughs> yeah, it's young guys can go out there and swim in the water. How is that guy? Still doing it because he's like almost fifty now, isn't he? No, he has to be fifty. Yeah, he's not. Um, I don't think he's human, though. He's definitely not human. He's definitely part robot or something. I mean, <laughs> he's. I mean, physically, mentally, and I guess you could say spiritually, he's just like next level. Like he's so smart, and he's such an incredible businessman too. Like he might get dogged a lot by like you know surf social media and like funny guys and surfing and stuff but the guy you he's you know he's the pinnacle yeah truly is like i think we all just make fun of him because we're we're jealous (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah i want to be doing that when i'm his age yeah i'd i'd like to just learn how to become like a good surfer on a regular board but one of these days, if I can ever learn how to do that weird one that he has that like foil stick. Yeah. <laughs> he probably has something else. There's like probably like some 3.0 version of it now where he, he just can like hovercraft or like <laughs> he could probably just like meditate his own body now, like over the water. He's like figured out some like <laughs> some yoga pose thing or something to do where he doesn't even need a board anymore. <laughs> he just like kind of levitates and just like, I'm learning. Like. Yeah, the foil thing's crazy. You can get really hurt on those, though. I would imagine. I, someone could I cut know. someone in half. Like, you could split somebody in half going at the right speed with one of those things. I really, truly feel like that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I never really thought about it before. But, yeah, if you cut somebody who was just swimming. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, just cut that person, slice that person. Like, people have gotten, like, hundreds of stitches, like, massive staples from just falling on i don't know what they call the bottom part but like the wing i don't even yeah. know what they call it 
but the bottom metal wing part yeah is that thing catches you and you fall on that thing like you're losing a limb like people have gotten like crazy injured people almost i know like so many people that have every single person i know has had like a pretty significant injury already in the time that you've been uh you know on the scene taking pictures what's uh what's some of the worst injuries you've seen i mean i hate to say it but i've seen people die oh yeah people like like, multiple times i yeah yeah i mean i didn't i mean certain situations for certain things you know sometimes it's a swimmer that gets swept off the beach and they can't find him he can't swim and um you know other times it's you know an injury someone gets hit by their surfboard and gets knocked out underwater and then other times it's uh people drown because they don't have like it's in it's incredible what the lifeguards are able to do and how many times lifeguards have been responsible for resuscitating yeah what would be dead surfers had the lifeguards not been there to administer emergency cpr like right there in the spot like it's incredible how many lives life lifeguards have saved like it's astronomical when you start to think about it especially on the north shore of hawaii like oh yeah there's just so much danger in the water all the time tourists getting swept off the beach little kids getting swept off the beach like it's oh. insane like the how many how many rescues like the north shore of oahu in particular oh god what's the- creates like those guys are just absolute absolute phenomenal watermen yeah and i call myself a surf fan but i can't think of the dude's name now um oh god I think they even did like a 30 for 30 on him on ESPN. The guy who was like the most famous uh, lifeguard and surfer from Hawaii. Well, not the famous surfer from Hawaii, but, um, and then he ended up dying when they were trying to take the cow. Yes, 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 yes. They did a 30 and 30 in him. Oh, that's cool. I haven't checked that out yet. I thought they did, or maybe it wasn't a 30 for 30, but I saw something in him that I'm pretty sure was on ESPN and it was really well done. Yeah. That's, that's, Rad. But yeah, they, they talked about like the number of people that he saved just in the like relatively short amount of time he was a lifeguard. He had saved like hundreds of people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like these guys, these guys rescue on a big swell on peak tour season. These people rescue like hundreds of people a weekend. Yeah. And but, then, yeah, too, if you're like in Hawaii, you get anybody who thinks that they're a pretty good surfer tries to come out there. And like you were saying, like, it's just a different atmosphere. I went to the North shore. Um, I went to Hawaii. God, I'm trying to think when it was, it was maybe like late summer. It was when, whenever the Jack Johnson festival was, I went to that very first one and I just went up to the North shore just to look at it. And somebody was like, yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's nothing out there today. And I was looking at the waves. I was like, well, that's, probably the biggest wave i've ever seen from michigan (laughs) that's something yeah that's that's like that's the a grade caliber michigan surf right there yeah it was funny too how uh it's rolling on shore the thing that i thought was the funniest though was when you're in waikiki everybody smiles at you and is going like that you get to the north shore and people just look at you like the fuck are you doing here (laughs) yeah i mean it's country you know, it's like, I feel like they're trying to, I mean, they're somewhat losing the battle, trying to keep that side of the island somewhat country or somewhat sacred. And yeah. it's like, you have tour buses, like, 
pulling over on cam highway and stopping traffic and someone's just trying to go to work and like he's stuck behind the same bus every morning at 8 15 a.m and he's got to wait for you know everyone to unload like imagine just your island just your part side of the island or your neighborhood someone comes driving down your street yeah. and just bombarding it with tourism 365 24 7 like you would just be freaking you would just be probably get bummed after a while if you grew up there like yeah. i i kind of side with you know it's 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 good for the local, local economy i guess but i don't know it's a kind of a bummer for the hawaiians and and kind of the the, the pure hawaiians especially you know well yeah because <clears throat> i've heard a lot of people say too that um you know if you go to an authentic hawaiian luau for a tourist thing like there's very little authentic about it and like it's just you know it's just something for the tourists yeah yeah i mean it's Which is all unfortunate because yeah you're like i don't know changing your own culture just for the sake of like making somebody who's there for a week feel like they had an experience yeah i mean i don't know <laughs> it's like yeah. it's a weird there's... conversation to get into but <laughs> yeah yeah i know i feel like you talk to someone that's that lives there and is partial Hawaiian because you know there's not a ton of like pure Hawaiians left, but mm. someone that has Hawaiian blood or someone that grew up, grew up there, and I think they have like a very a way more educated response to that than I could give you as someone who just goes there and you know is there for a couple of weeks potentially. I mean, my wife's parents have a house there in Makaha, and we've been going there for 20 years, and. Oh, that's awesome. Always try to be respectful as possible. And I bring a board over there. I always leave it with some local kid when I do go over there. Oh, cool. If I do bring a board, I just leave it there. I don't even bring it back. Like, just give it to someone in the community, you know, Makaha and Waianae and that side of the island. And, you know, try to be as respectful as possible. And um, I really, 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 really try to do as much as I can on the respect level because it's such an incredibly beautiful place that is just so bombarded with tourism all the time that like whatever I can do. I mean, you know, it was like when I went over there as a surf photographer, you know, and I'm doing absolutely nothing like in the grand scheme of things. But when I went over there as a surf photographer, like I definitely, or even as a photo editor, when we did the Hawaii issue, Mm. like a Hawaiian or someone that grew up in Hawaii should be on the cover of that particular magazine. Or it should feature X amount of local surfers involved because that's their time to shine on their island. Um, I really try to be conscious of that just because it's it's their waves, you know, and everyone else is just coming and taking and, you know, they're going to get photo incentives and, get, and they're going to shoot their ad campaign there and their company's going to shoot their ad campaign there and, you know, and they're in and out. And that's it. So, yeah, it's... It's a it's a tricky tricky thing to navigate over there. Yeah, just trying to be as respectful as possible and do everything you can possibly do to to give back to you know their their small surf economic economy. Yeah, man, I that just blows my mind the idea of living. I mean, if, if you were if you're from there, you wouldn't you wouldn't think anything else would probably do, but. The idea that you could live on an island that's an eight, no, no, no. What is it? Like a five-hour plane ride? Yeah, from San Diego, it's five or six hours. Yeah. 
man that would that would freak me out i think because visiting there you like not a big deal but i don't know but you mean just like like just island the, fever yeah. just being stuck there just the idea of like oh if i gotta get out of here um that's gonna be a big coordinated event <laughs> I don't know if I could, I mean, if I could live there, I would in a heartbeat. We're lucky enough that my wife's parents have a house there and we're able to go over there a couple of weeks out of the year. And I mean, the people, there's just no bullshit. There's no like of this, you know, that just, I mean, even here in Encinitas, you get down to like Cardiff or like coastal Cardiff and everyone's just got buku money. And it's like, like, where's your Patagonia jacket? Where's your Sprinter van? Where's your, and that's like the cliches, right? For all things like white yuppie. But um, I mean, it's like, you know, oh, well, you don't, you don't live in Cardiff. Oh, you live in Village Park. Like, hmm. Like, it's just, there's none of that bullshit. There's just none of that materialistic BS in Hawaii. People look at you, not because of like your paycheck or what you drive or mm-hmm. It's just they look at you for like the type of person you are and that you show respect and you're respectful and like you're a good person. And it's just just cuts through all the BS. And that's what I absolutely love about everywhere outside of Southern California, for that matter. (laughs) I mean, does that exist? I mean, I don't know. Like, it's like people here only. Yeah, the the grass is always greener. Well, I just think people are always people. And Jonathan Wayne Freeman said something like this on his Instagram like the other day talking about how like people kind of flock to their own social circles like as far as like economics and how where they live and they associate themselves with people that are in their own um you know type of you know currency and like oh these people have money so we should hang out with them because they have money like never seen like a millionaire hang out with someone that like lives in like a condo apartment just because they're they're bros like at least here yeah. just like everyone flocks to their own little thing and it's it's just so much fucking bullshit i'm sorry to cuss maybe i'm not supposed to cuss but no no no, no. it's fun a bs <laughs> so tired of the southern california bs and the materialism it's yeah. insane well that's just the way everything is made to be now because i mean right now in west michigan where i live the um there there's every week there's another article about how the housing prices are just so high that hardly anybody can afford to live here and you know we're looking at the house that we bought uh 6 years ago is probably close to double the value now and it's just like you know the people that were moving into our neighborhood when we moved in were just you know nurses and dorks with podcasts but now it's like you have to have like two people with advanced degrees that are both working to 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 afford to live here and it's i don't know it's kind of a bummer that it's become exclusive just to how much money you have yeah yeah it's nuts it's like i was dropping my kid off at this yeah it's i don't i don't know like that's just maybe the way the society's turning or whatever but like i dropped my kid off like at school the other day and i was walking back and I think I had combed my hair for like the first time in a little bit and like was wearing like a new jacket that my wife bought me for my birthday. And they're like, Whoa, Pete. Like one of my neighbor friends saw me. He's like, Oh, Pete, you really put yourself together this morning, huh? And it was like, Oh shit. Like, 
I'm sorry. Oh, I, I didn't know. Like, yeah, man. Like you put your like you put some effort into like your look this morning. I was like, uh, what's? I guess I just look like a a, a homeless dirtbag the rest of the time or something. I, I don't know, but yeah, um, I've. It's like, oh. I'm going full blown dirtbag myself. Like I, <clears throat> I, I, I should just shave all this, and I normally do, but the past few weeks I've been like, who cares? I'm growing this huge mustache i'm just gonna let my bald spot shine yeah do it i love it but then but the nintendo hat is pretty epic the nintendo hat that i got from walmart (laughs) that's insane is that your podcast hat do you wear that every podcast you know the funny thing is i wear this just like pretty much anytime i need a hat (laughs) it's it's been my go-to hat are you are you are you a big nintendo fan i am and i we actually have an old school nintendo in um see that bookcase door mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i made a thing where actually That's you take insane. that um you take that clock you pull the bottom of it up and it pulls a string through the other side that latches and then you can open the bookcase no that's ins- what are, what that's are your top five nintendo. what are your top five favorite original nintendo games give them to me <clears throat> i don't know if anybody would say that this is their favorite but it might be mine paperboy okay yeah I really loved Paperboy for a long time. Me and my sister would just sit there and play that. Um, Bubble Bobble. Yeah. Okay. That's a classic. That trend versus all mediums. Yeah. Amazing. Um, It was kind of dumb, but I liked Burger Time. Burger Time. Okay. These are all kind of within the same genre of Nintendo games. Yeah. But then also Kung Fu and or the Karate Kid. Or the Karate Kid. Okay. Gosh. Can I tell you my the Karate Kid had the one scene where you could try to use the chopsticks to catch a fly. That's and I could right. Never do it. That's right. That scene was so hard. Karate Kid was good. Karate Kid was really they hard. Never caught a fly. Karate Kid was really hard. Yeah, Kung Fu was easier because it was just punch and kick. Yeah, yeah. He either it went, was. Yeah, yeah. Or whoa, whoa. Yeah, and that. But that was like originally. I think Atari made that. But that was. Was that originally like an Atari game? That was definitely more of a uh, uh, arcade game. It might have been. It might have been. That's a yeah, the, like the that's graphics some... on the guy was like he was basically just like a little kind of like light brown blob with a little dark tuft of hair. Yeah, and the guy was like, "And fight!" Like, and and like, yeah. And then like the kick sounds were so killer that would be. Like, yeah, that was a good game. I like that game. And then she would decide like she'd look left or right, and there was the flowers, and she'd like pick. Oh, I forgot yeah. that part too. Yeah. 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 I was always just thinking about like you had to jump over the knives when the guy would throw the knives at you or whatever it was. Oh, I don't think I ever got that far. I always just played the arcade version against my cousin because they had it at their house. And oh, we played it yeah, for the, hours. The one versus one, yeah. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> um Oh I wait, loved... you can't go wrong with some Celtics Lakers either. Oh yeah, yeah. That was good too. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever play Kid Icarus? I never played that one. When you said it, it made me think of Mega Man, which was also good. Oh my god! Yeah, that would definitely Mega Man would have to be in my. I mean, Mega Man was fantastic. I can't believe I didn't think of it sooner. Mega Man for sure, top five. Zelda, Super Mario Brothers, Metroid, and I don't know. Those four were like just the ones that had like the full story layout where you get to the next chapter and then it's like 
anything where like if you beat a level like some dude came out or some girl came out and it like typed out it's like and it gave you like the the missed the next mission to do but gosh did you hear that the guy that made nintendo that was doing the soundtracks recently that kanye called him up and wanted to do an album together with them and the guy's like no i'm good i'm not doing it He wanted to partner with, like, I forget his name. It was like Masuo's. Why wouldn't that dude partner with Kanye? That's a million dollars. Yeah, right he there. wanted to do it. Like, Kanye was like, I need to do an album with this genius. Because, like, just the scores and the soundtracks to all those games are absolutely brilliant. And they're all done by, yeah. like, the same, like, three people. Dude, I'm not even kidding you. Sometimes, like, if I'm doing something and I'm starting to, like, breathe kind of hard, in my mind, I start hearing... From Punch Out when you're doing the workouts. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Punch Out. But all those, I mean, like the music was like half. I'll get bored and I'll YouTube sometimes after I've had like done like a wine review or two. Like I will get on YouTube and I'll just listen to like Zelda soundtracks. And just like listen to like the score from Zelda or something. I'm just like, oh, that's and you know, it's no, uh, it's no Iron Maiden soundtrack, but but Nintendo the yeah. the YouTube soundtracks are good. <laughs> it's no Iron Maiden, that's right. <laughs> was, what what did I say? Is that the album that has Run to the Hills? And you're like, they all sound the same. <laughs> They're all the same. It's the same like lead guitar riff, like. I thought I was so excited. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be amazing. I like I think I had like two glasses of wine and like I found like some weed left over like in like one of my old socks or something and like <laughs> did like an apple rip of weed and like had two glasses of wine. I'm like, okay, I'm 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 vibing now. Let's put on the YouTube soundtrack <laughs> on Iron Maiden and then like listen to the first like two minutes of like the first song and then like I listened to the next like 30 seconds of the second song. And then I listened to the next like five seconds of the third song. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good. This is seven sun for some sun, that album, whatever killers. Okay. You know, it just, it sounded like a good idea in theory, but it was not good, but I'm glad we I loved it. the same sediment on that. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Cause well, for people that don't know, because they weren't listening to our private conversation. Yeah. I worked with a guy that in Iraq, would all he wanted to listen to was either Iron Maiden or Pantera or the Black Crows. So it was an interesting mix of music. Either listening to Walk or Hey, little mama, let me light your candle. I'm trying to think of like the common bond between all of them. And all I can get is drugs. <laughs> but I think I don't. What's the common through line between those three bands? Like, <laughs> yeah i think i think he was a guy that in his time uh grew up in uh where was he from he was from alabama and he said he used to do a lot of acid so yeah mm. yeah i think that's what the third line was was acid they all did acid yeah. <laughs> Every, everything is amazing on acid right yeah um <laughs> oh I was just, I was just um, really excited when you said that you did a did an apple rip because most people that I've talked to was like, you know, you can smoke out of an apple. They're like, a what? Yeah, <laughs> anything in an orange. 
like a tangerine. I've been so desperate before. Like I, and I'm not a stoner. I never smoke weed. Like weed makes me crazy paranoid. Oh, uh, really? Oh, like terrifying. Oh, I've like, I've had full blown freak outs over weed where I've called like, I've called 911 and then hung up and been like, nah, <laughs> not a good idea. You're going to be all right. I've had friends rush me to like the ER. <laughs> I'm serious. I totally have. Um, what else have I had? I've, oh, the best experience was like, the best experience was like 18 months ago. No, not 18 months ago. What am I talking about? So, Grayson, my younger son, was six months and my daughter was like four. And at that, at that time, I think I was smoking like once a week or something, like every once in a while. And it was like the biggest dare. I'm like, oh my God, I took a rip of weed. Like it was like, oh, it was like really exciting stuff. <laughs> and my wife was going out for the night and both my kids, I just put them asleep. Like, both the kids are down, had a glass of wine, found some like leftover. It's always like leftover. Like I, I like stumble upon it. And it's like, I like stumble oh, upon like weed. I and forgot I put this in my house. breast pocket. No, I, I stumble upon it in weird spots in my house, and it seriously speaks to me. It's like, you must smoke me now. It's like, if I see it and I run into it, like, it's being smoked. And then it will go away for, like, nine months, and then I'll never see it again. But if I find it in my house, I'm going to smoke it. But I would never smoke it more than, like, once a month or, like, every two months. So, oh, okay. Sorry, we're having fun. Okay. Um it's my wife yelling at me. We could go through all the COVID things here in uh, the Terrace household. Uh, <laughs> that's what happens all day. It's just people just yell at each other during COVID. <laughs> you're talking too loud. You're screaming. Um, sorry, I got really excited about talking about weed before. I just got yelled at, which you cannot edit. You got to keep that in because this is my life. This is, yeah, this is real this is real shit this is what happens this is you're you talk too loud you get yelled at and that's okay um you become immune to it eventually it's like i need like you know the what? Getting, I, get, I need the like getting yelled at vaccine like covid vaccine from like my wife well hold on a second have you ever tried because this is what i tried doing one time and it really threw my wife for a loop the first time i did it get really emotional like i I don't feel like I did anything to deserve this. Why are you treating me like this? And they'll be, wait, wait, oh, huh? You're, you're, you're dead right with that, but you can only use it so much. Or else yeah, it that's true. Its potency. Yeah. You can only, you're only allowed to cry like once a year. So you have to like <laughs> really have like, you got to really put that in, in your back pocket. But, um, yeah. Okay. So really quick back to the weed thing. So, Sorry. Um, what was I? Oh, oh. So I had just put my kids to sleep, and um, can you hear me? Okay, by the way, you're. Are we good? Mm -hmm. We're still good. Okay. No, perfect. Yeah. Okay, great. So, um, I had just put my both kids down. And I had like found it. I had like found the weed. I was like, oh, cool. So like I found like a tangerine or something. And I like, shoved it in there, and I took like like too way too big of a rip, like way yeah. too big. And I was like, oh my god. So then I started thinking, I'm like, oh, that was a lot. And then I'm like, no, I'm good. And then I started watching some Beatles documentary. And I started to freak out. And like it, the, the room, everything in the room felt like it was like a mile away. 
like I'm like, oh, and everything felt like it was just moving in slow motion. Like I went to go like stand up and like walk to the kitchen and it felt like it taking like five minutes to get to the kitchen. I was like, oh my God. So I called my wife who was out with her friends. I said, <laughs> you need to come home. Both kids, both kids are asleep. If they wake up, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. I am freaking out. I am way too high. I'm like, you need to come home. And she's like, I'm not coming home. You got to deal with it. Um, and I, I calmed myself down. I did some like Wim Hof, like breathing techniques. Yeah. And, like some push-ups and got myself out of it. But um, yeah, weed's a, weed's, a, weed's a crazy thing. It affects people differently. Yeah. And it sounds like you uh, find some really good stuff. No, I just think I'm like a crazy lightweight. And I just think, I don't know. I just think way too much about everything. I'm like an overthinker. So. Yeah, I think I just well, freaked myself out. Creative, uh, I think creative people can do that to themselves. <laughs> Overthink, let their imaginations run wild, all that. Yeah, what was it say? We were talking, when I first met you, we, we had that discussion, and you were saying something about creatives, that they are their own worst enemy, or they, they get, they run themselves. Or what was it? What did you say? Oh, I don't know, but that sounds like something I would say. I, I definitely get in my own way or sabotage myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was something towards like that, that when it comes to promoting themselves, like a lot of mm. people struggle with that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I've gotten pretty shameless. <laughs> Not. That's what I'm saying. You know, I, and the funny thing is, is, uh, in that, uh, discord channel, speaking of smoking weed, I smoked a little weed and then I popped open the signal discord channel and I had said like, hey, I was going to, I'm going to post my um, last episode because the dude that I interviewed also uh, collaborated on Signal. And somebody said, I don't think it's appropriate to post that in here. And I was like, oh man, well, fuck you guys. But then like I sent him a DM and I was like, hey man, sorry, I didn't mean to piss you off. And he's like, what are you talking about? And then I went and reread it again. It's like, I do think it's appropriate. And I was like, oh shit, sorry. I was high. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Good thing I sent him a DM and been like, instead of being like guns blazing, man, fuck all you guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody well, from the Discord channel? Hello, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the inner workings of Discord. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Luckily, luckily he was really cool about it. I was like, yeah, sorry. I was high and I misread that. And he was like, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> So yeah, apparently when you smoke too much, you uh, get really anxious, if not paranoid, and I just become illiterate. Yeah, it's like dyslexic. So it reading stuff backwards. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the weeds. Um, I wanted to ask you one that. thing though, before before we get too far off and end up just losing track of it all together. You said that you're a photographer and a cinematographer. Is this correct? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately it, what I want to know is like, what makes a cinematographer different from like a video director or. So I don't think I'm definitely not a cinematographer or a videographer or a filmer. Um, I do it. 
but then again, I, I've kind of done like kind of, I guess I started to alert to earlier. I've kind of done everything out of necessity, mm-hmm. whether it's to try to like pay some rent or like keep my mind off something else. Like, yeah. um, I think photography or like a photographer is probably like the truest, like creative trait that I have, uh, in like, I wouldn't call myself a cinematographer, but I'm definitely, I went into my craft when I started to take it seriously, knowing that I wanted to be a photo editor, like in the nineties, I wanted to be a photo editor in the two thousands. I wanted to be, well, why a photo editor? Because I always wanted to craft a brand. Like I think, you know, it wasn't until recently that I figured out that I was more passionate about the marketing and creative marketing. Like that's why I love, you know, when you had um, James Toll, is that his name? From Nonchalance. Jeff, Jeff Toll. Jeff Hull. Jeff Hull. James yeah, Toll. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff Throw Toll. When you had Jeff Throw Toll well, on, no. We'll edit it out to make it sound like you got it right the first time. Oh, my, yeah. No, it's <laughs> fine. But like, I mean, I would say he's like, a, a, I mean, he's just a creative. Like he's just brilliant. But like, I always cared a lot about like just full packages, like storytelling and making a full magazine in like oh, yeah, A to Z. Of, storytelling. Like, the stellar storytellers that you turned me on to on Instagram was amazing, by the way. Thanks for that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's well, we can we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, we'll um, come around to it. I just I just wanted to tell you yeah, that because I yeah, thanks. thought of it just now yeah, when you're talking about storytelling. Sorry. This guy's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um I always just like I think like I like early on it was like um I just wanted to make magazines, I think, because I wanted to make a magazine. And also, I wasn't, like, the biggest fan of traveling. I went through, like, a crazy, like, phobia of, like, I just never wanted to travel much. I don't know. Like, I would travel to, like, normal places. But, like, I wasn't going to travel that seems to, like, problematic Liberia. for somebody in your work. <laughs> totally. So, that's, if you're a photo editor, you didn't have to do much of that, right? Ah, okay. Um, I went through, like, crazy phobias. I've had, like, weird sp- spouts of stuff fear of airplanes and elevators you, at certain times like it was bizarre like do you have a lot of those or do you just kind of like have like one and then you trade it off for another and then you trade <laughs> that off for another now i don't really have any because i've worked my way through it um yeah. but um i don't know i don't know what it was i i had like crazy phobias as kids i was like terrified to go in a theater like hmm. I could not go into theater to like save my life. I thought like the doors were going to close behind me and get shut. And I was get locked in and the place was going to burn down. Or um, I don't know. I just always had like crazy bouts of phobias until like my mid twenties. It was like, and by then as things started to like dissipate and I started to work through the stuff by then, like I was already like crafted in a career of photo editing, mm. maybe even lasted in my thirties. I would say like some of those things, but they're like, Hey Pete, we're going to send you to West Africa to, film surfing on the now river and like <laughs> absolutely fine. oh no you're not <laughs> like i'm not going anywhere i'll go to hawaii i'll go to australia i'll go to new zealand but all this like crazy foreign travel to like crazy places like absolutely not i, I i'm not doing that i'm you know now i'm like i've worked my way through it and i'm excited to go check out everything i possibly can but um at the time you know i've, I've just always like my dad's the same way my dad's mom was the same way just like 
not to turn this into a therapy session, but I, I do believe, I think therapy is incredible by the way. And would love to talk about that in some extent, because I think every person should see a therapist. I was actually just a guest on a podcast earlier today and we talked about that. Yeah. I, uh, I started seeing one not that long ago, mostly just for like work related anxiety, because for the last few years I had been a stay at home dad and then I started writing then I started getting paid for some of my writing and then I started the podcast and then the podcast actually started getting people that wanted to be on it and people started listening and that all of it just kind of slowly started building and it just got to the point where I was like, I was still doing all the work, but I was just like not in a good headspace to do it. And it was like, it wasn't fun. It felt like yeah. ah, ah, I'm going to drop something. Something's going to fall if I don't keep everything going at the right time and push right. it all and- hard. Yeah, exactly. And like, why wouldn't you proactively like put your being or put your, your mental state and pitch it to someone that is like, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what, here's kind of what's happening. What do you think? And have someone kind of giving it back to you and going, here's what I'm seeing kind of, or here's what I think of that. Like, man, I've, I've relied on therapy for like, I mean, ever since I was like, 11 or 12 or like the scared of being in a theater. Like um, I just think it's such a smart and healthy thing to do is to proactively get in front of those things. So you can be the best person you can be, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah. Yes. That they're the thing they say on that podcast I was on a lot is uh, sick. People don't go to therapy. Healthy people go to therapy. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. But it's like the, like you tell someone, you know, Oh, but you're going to see a therapist and everyone's like, oh, you must be crazy. You must be nuts. And maybe I am nuts. Well, nor do I care. But <laughs> There's almost as much a stigma for therapy as there is for smoking weed. Like if, well, I don't know how it is in Southern California. People are maybe a little bit more uh, cool than they are in, in the <laughs> in the Midwest suburbs. But like if somebody is like, you smoke weed? Like, it'd be like a, I don't want my kids to play with your kids kind of a thing you know what I mean like yeah and it's almost the same thing like people are like oh you see a you see a therapist are you okay did I don't know if I want my kids to be around you you know totally yeah it's yeah I don't know I think I think we're in such the infancy on like like mental therapy and and mental health like we are such in the infant stage of all of it Everything yeah. from like even trying to go like, you know, if you're on Medi-Cal or like, I'm, I mean, I'm still on unemployment almost as of like last week. And like, you know, my whole family is actually on Medi-Cal because of, you know, the lack of money we're currently making. Try to go see a therapist that takes Medi-Cal. Right. <laughs> that basically means like, you know, government funded health insurance. Good luck. Like not at all. Like every therapist is almost out of pocket. Like having good mental health health care like health care for like you know insurance for for mental health is like a joke it's impossible like it takes you yeah. like six months to try to find somebody there's two people in all of san diego county that accept medical health insurance two therapists yeah. in all of san diego county that take medical health insurance in the whole county two and then but you probably have to schedule for like four months out <laughs> they're actually like pretty open which is surprising me i mean i don't know we'll see yeah, you would think to see one of them so we'll see how that goes <laughs> but, well 
Oh shoot! I forget what we were talking about. Yeah, it's no, me too. But that's okay. no, but that's okay because, like I said, this isn't live. No matter how how bad Bill O'Reilly wants it to be. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was great too, man. I totally forgot about that. Don't fucking live. We're doing it live. Gosh, what were we? What were we saying? I had just texted you like, "Don't worry, man. It's not going to be live." And then you're like, "It's oh wait, no." Before I don't care. Do it all. Dude, it's just can't wait to have my wife come barging in on the door. You're being too loud. That's gonna be the best part. That's like that's that's the most real thing in this whole podcast right here is just trying to work from home and that whole thing. But we covered that yeah. base already. The, the name of this podcast is gonna be episode 19, pissing off Peter Terrace's wife. <laughs> that's what you should call it. Meet Pete Terrace and his wife. <laughs> no. No. She's great. I love her to death. Yeah. Well, that's good because you guys have two kids together. So, yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> not going anywhere. For people that don't know, we're talking through an app called Squadcast, and you can pick your name to display on there. Did you pick that, or was that on there? DJ Mama's Kitties. No, I, I, I put, I typed that out. That's me. That's, oh, okay, I didn't know if that was like a. No, I used to, I used to DJ. And uh, that used to be my DJ name was Mama's Kitties. <laughs> What's is there a good story behind it or not really? I'm trying to think. I think well, my wife used to have a cat named Pippin, and every time my wife greeted that cat, she would always say, "Oh, come here, Mama's Kitties." And so <laughs> I just started saying Mama's Kitties, and then it just became DJ Mama's Kitties, and that was like a. I was exiting out of my DJ career when I met my wife, but I really wanted to be a DJ. Yeah. Really bad. Like a techno really? DJ, house DJ. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Like really tried like really hard and was, I played like, I think like five live shows like ever. And the last show I remember I was playing like some like French electro and this was like right before like justice got big. And like, I was playing like a, like a bar in San Clemente. And I was playing like all this like French electro stuff and like justice and Mastercraft and like all these, even like earlier, like John Digweed, Deep House Records and Sasha and Dan, Danny Teneglia. And people were just looking at me going, why is this guy playing? Like, where's the hip hop? Like I, I want to just, roll up on some girl and just start freaking some girl or like the the guys were like, dude, what's the freaking hip hop dude? I'm trying to, you know? And like, I was just like taking it like I was in Ibiza, I think. And I remember I just had so many complaints that night that like I stopped the turntable, like mid record and packed up my stuff and left. Yeah. And people were like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just, I'm, I'm just done. My, my, I'm done DJ. And that's it. I quit. It was like super dramatic. And like, one of my more dramatic like freakouts, public freakouts, I think. Huh. And so huh. that was it. That was my DJ career in a nutshell. But I would love to revisit it. I had a I had a concert when I was in abandoned high school that went pretty badly and we ended up having to leave mid set too because oh gosh, our rhythm yeah. our rhythm guitar we were like not metal, but like kind of like harder rock. And our our rhythm guitar player was a black dude. And he was like, hey, I met this girl who said uh, she wants my band to come play at her birthday party. And we're like, oh, sweet. So we get there and we show up. And um, it was 
an audience of all black people except for the one girl that invited us to play was white and um they did not want to hear hard rock music they only wanted to hear hip-hop too so they booed us and then they started throwing stuff at us and they just yelled you suck until we started taking our stuff down and going away (laughs) oh man that's a bummer to hear yeah i thought that was going to turn that story around then we really reached through to him no no we yeah Oh, we, we had bummer. stuff thrown at us and told we suck and it was it was an interesting experience for a, you know i don't even know if we were old enough to drive i think we had to stay there and wait for our moms to pick us up oh my god that sucks <laughs> those are that's like the teenage years that's what you do it's yeah. just you go through those 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 high highs and those those low lows i guess yeah but besides that i'd played plenty of shows where like nobody cared you know what i mean um, or there were very few people there, but that was the only time where, yeah, I was like, it, it only this. takes that one show though. It only takes that one show though. You know? Yeah. It only takes that one show. Yeah. Um, Chris to, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to do a reunion tour with those guys and just, just that one show that goes really well. That's all you need in your, in your yep. memory Rolodex. And then you'll be set for life. I remember having like a couple shows actually that I played some house parties that were just, people loved it and people said, you you know, this, the music's amazing. And this is, this, this is great. And it only takes, and I can remember those like nights, like crystal clear. Like I remember like every record I played, I just remember the house, what the room looked like. I remember like, they're always like someone's like the parents were out of town, someone's living room. Yeah. And like, we would put like the two couches together. Cause everyone always had like two couches. Like one was on like this wall. It was always like a 90 degree angle where like two couches, like, and we would smash them together and put them vertical. Yeah. We would smash the couches together and we put them vertical so that like the insides were together. And we mm-hmm. called it the freak chamber. So you would go in there with like your significant other and like make out with them, like in the little couch chamber thing. <laughs> How <laughs> elegant and romantic. <laughs> yeah. In front of like six in front of like 60 of your closest like sophomore high school friends uh, oh the, was the back worst in the day worst. back in the day <laughs> what's the worst of oh, high school is the best high school is the best it was but it also wasn't <laughs> like i don't know i've heard people say if i could go back to high school knowing what i know now i would be like the coolest dude and i was like but that's yeah the- but just the fact that you said that no you're not <laughs> that's 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 the special sauce that everyone's trying to figure out. It's like, God, if I could have my brain now, it's something you say like when you're like 25, yeah. after 25, I just, I just want to go to sleep. You know, you don't want to go back to high school at all. You just, you just no, you, you just want to be retired. But when you're 25, like you have those like mid twenties, like, Oh man, if I could go back to my senior year now, knowing what I know. And you're like 25, and you still don't know shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. I knew what I knew now. It's like, it's been like three months and like you've traveled like to like two destinations and you discovered some, you've went, you've ventured to your first like pub bar and like went to some rave and rave to like 4am and thought you saw God. And all of a sudden you're the most knowledgeable 19 year old on your, on your block. Back if, if I could go back to high school now. Yeah. I used to have nightmares for like years after I graduated high school that I was back and I was like, Oh no, I have to do it all again because 
something went wrong and like none of my time counted. Oh, oh my gosh. The worst. You know what though? I got That's... I think I got straight Fs through all high school anyway, so I could do it all over again. Hey, at least you were consistent. I was all over the place. I actually went in for um when I was in the military, the first place that I got stationed, the guy that was, you know, running the whole thing there calls me into his office, sits down, looks at my high school transcript, and he goes, Oh, looks like you got the whole alphabet in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's funny that's hilarious actually it's like yeah i guess yeah i got an a and p e you know the funny thing was is i was the kind of kid that like i went to school just to talk to my friends and to see if i could get a girl to go out with me and um if i thought a teacher was really cool i was like okay i'll try in this class a little bit and if i didn't like the teacher i was just like nope yeah. i'm not i'm not here for you buddy and i would let him know like i'm i'm not here don't even call on me yeah, that's uh, it's crazy how that works. Like I was the same exact way, and even my daughter, like my daughter last year in school, just did awful. And I think the cheats are tried. It was her last year, you know. She was retiring, whatever. Maybe she was mailing yeah. it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, last year she did awful. She was like the worst kid in her class because they just weren't connecting. And my daughter's in second, and this is first grade, and my daughter is like pretty sensitive to things and. I mean, everyone thinks their kid's just the smartest, greatest, best, yeah, whatever, right. right? But like she was really struggling last year and it's just they didn't have a connection. And this year, my daughter is just full of spark. She loves her teacher and she's just like, and now she's crushing it. She's like awesome. excelling insane. Like she's gone from like worse. I don't want, I don't know if she's first or whatever, but she's just, she's doing incredible. So it's mm-hmm. crazy how that works. Yeah, how receptive sure. our mind is, you know, we turn off and we turn on to certain things at certain times. Well, there's a lot to be said for, uh, there you go, for yeah, what your, um, for what your mind, you know, sorry, I got distracted by that. Uh, not mind over matter, but what's the word I'm looking for there? Just like, I guess when you set your own expectation for something like that immediately will become like your reality if you're like oh i'm gonna hate this class like you're gonna hate it yeah yeah yeah. i don't know i'm not saying anything (laughs) i'm not saying anything groundbreaking there but um i actually wanted to segue from me talking about having nightmares about having to go back and (laughs) re-graduate high school to (laughs) dreams that i used to have because my wife was saying earlier she's like who are you interviewing again and i was like oh the this the surf photographer guy she's like oh yeah why why are you interviewing him and i was just like she didn't mean like, why would you interview him? But she was just like, oh, why did you reach out to him? And I was why like, that? because because this guy took pictures that I used to literally dream about. Um, like, uh, that's so I remember cool. the first, the that's first, awesome. yeah, the first surf magazine that. that I ever bought was when I just moved to Florida, and it was that um, the, ho- uh, the the holiday issue, the the photo issue, yeah, the photo <clears> issue, Dion Agius, Trans World Cover, oh. they. Dave Nelson or Tom Carey shot that. I forget which one, but yeah. And just, I, I know I got shot. that. And then from that, from that point on, I just grabbed every magazine. I was like, oh, I don't have that one yet. And I would just grab and I would look at the pictures. And then at night, I I, I kid you not, I never dreamed that I was surfing on the waves. I just always dreamed that I was walking up to the beach and just all of a sudden I just saw these perfect waves. There was nobody out in the water. And I was like, Yay, and getting ready to run out in the water, and then I'd always wake up right there before I actually was in the water. Do you, just really quick, because I want to hear about your dreams. Do you remember photos from that magazine at all? Was it like I know you 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 remember the cover, but like 
gosh, I had that magazine. It's up in my attic here. But if I go up there and I grab it, my wife's going to kill me. Oh, God. Yeah. No, there was there was a couple in there that I remember that were of, um, God, what's the guy's name? Was it Bruce Irons? Okay. Yeah. I think there was like a black and white Scala shot of Bruce shot from the beach with people in the foreground. Yeah. Black and white. Brian Bielman, I think, shot it. It's people standing on the beach. Like they were, they were like, it was probably like 50 U's trying to get out in your dream. And then <laughs> they just hadn't woken up yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I would always yeah, just, and every night, like it was the same dream. It was just like, just a white sandy beach. And then just this wave that would start as far out as I could see. And then just kept going all the way down. You know what I mean? Just. That's so cool. That's so cool that you had dreams about that magazine. That's like, that's just awesome. I wonder if people still dream like that. I wonder if like the digital currency has like, I don't know, like, is it not as impact? Is it not as, is it, is it not ingrained in, is Instagram not ingrained in your memory as like those spreads of those magazines? Yeah, probably not. There's, there's a couple of things that I've tagged um, or not tagged, but like saved to a list that from Instagram. But most of the things that I remember from Instagram are like really funny things, not necessarily things that are like, <laughs> like inspirational. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's true. I bet you like kids that are like millennials or whether they're just like probably think about like swipe lefts and swipe rights and like, yeah, everything is so immediate. Like, like, show me something new right now. And if it's not new, then get it out of here and give me something that is new. Whereas, yeah, those, those, a magazine, I mean, you know, as long as there's uh, the picture on this side, is not that great. Rip that out, put that up next to my bed or put that up, you know, um, depending where we were next to my cot, wherever inside my locker, you know, pull it open and be like, and it was just like a breath of fresh air to see those pictures when you're doing, when you're somewhere where you know, you can't do anything fun, but you just go, Oh God, that's going to be great. someday when I get back in the water. (laughs) Yeah, I think, and that was such like a, that was such like a creative period in surf photography in general, like, and everything prior to that had like, excellence too but like i would say like the mid 2000s like right when the digital cameras started to come into fold but also mixing it with like the medium format cameras and the black and white film and the the, you know the panoramic cameras even medium format large format cameras and print film and digital film like that was such like an insanely creative time for surf photography like it was such appear tangible there's such like a life and like a depth to every photograph in that print medium i think it really like ingrained in people's memories like the photo annuals and everything there's just so many insane photographers because the surf industry was cranking and everyone was making money and people could be surf photographers and have a supportive career doing it and you had all these icons and legends that have been surf shooting surf photos for 30 40 years with crazy history and you're pairing that with like new technological advances with like the digital camera it was just a like a really exciting time and you know i think the 90s had periods of that and definitely the 80s and the 70s and 60s like absolutely 60s 70s 80s were like insane creativity with with surf photography in those periods and then you know the 90s had some golden moments too and i think the 2000s were like 
insane to the mid 2000s were incredible well there was a lot of just creativity in surfing then too like i mean trying to think when it was that kelly slater was like went on a tear started originally winning world championships but like when he won his first world championship people weren't like launching themselves off the wave like they do now uh i mean definitely that early 90s was like a period of like you know aerial surfing was coming to the fold christian fletcher and you know and all the the fletcher films and then soon after that momentum and taylor Steele movies like surf films really kind of like launched the next level of it went from like the 80s and power surfing and martin potter and um you know all like the very powerful uh 80 surfers and hawaiian power surfers and sunny garcia and um just that whole cast of power surfing aki tom curran and then into like the 90s started coming around the fletcher films were kind of this like gateway and they, i really think they were kind of the gateway between power surfing and hawaiian power surfing to kind of that next evolution of like oh christian fletcher is like doing six different types of grabs at lower trestles and oh why is he grabbing between his legs like that that's a stale fish and his bringing his skate knowledge to the water and doing skate yeah. moves on the wave was like and those were being showcased front and center and uh, yeah that's what i mean like, it's just like supernatural and wave warriors three and yeah, that's when you started Taylor to be like more, more that skater kind of style coming out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then like Momentum came out. Momentum Momentum 2 came out and Kelly Slater, the backside air from Cabo San Lucas. And, um, you know, the Kelly Slater's part in those early Taylor Steel films was you're just like, oh my God, okay. You know, this is this is next level now just with the consistency and his style and his fluidity on how he was linking stuff up um that's really when you saw like a lot of yeah the creativity in surfing was you know 92 was kind of like when you started seeing i feel like i don't i don't know if it was that specific year but early 90s is like when you started to see that and then by like mid 90s and late 90s it was like you know you had the whole generation kelly's generation and Shane Dorian and Kelly Slater. Yeah. Even the younger generation or the slightly younger Timmy Curran and um, their video parts for Taylor Stales movies. And you're like, oh, oh, look at this alley-oop. Like Timmy Curran's alley-oops were just absolutely phenomenal in those Taylor Steele movies. But um, now we're still there. Like, no, now guys are doing like 540s. But like, I think the biggest, you know, not to segue just into pure surfing in general or move away from surf photography, but, Mm. um, you know, surfing's now it's almost like, I don't want to say it's like come first full circle, but it kind of has, it's coming full circle in the sense that like people just having fun and not caring how much someone rips literally. Yeah. Like that movie you sent me. Yeah. Like the movie I sent you, like that is almost becoming like, you know, more fun. Like people are having fun going out surfing straight in front of their house with three of their friends on soft tops hmm. with no fins of the boards or riding, you know, just having fun dicking around with their friends 
of us like we're gonna go down in trestles and see how much we're gonna rip lower trestles today which is yeah. like the center yeah. of like high performance surfing in southern california we were talking about that on the phone right like um i think i was talking about a an old one well, that old but um surf film that i saw that had uh donovan frankenreiter and a couple other guys and they'd picked up like some single fin really shitty surfboard from like a garage sale and they're like hey let's see if any of us can do anything on this and like that was like 10 minutes of the movie was these guys just like trying to control this really terrible board (laughs) i think that was that's either shelter which is a little malloy brothers film or that's Gosh, I should just—I should just know this. Why do I not know this? Um, I remember that the box for it was like clear. You could see through it, ish, kind of. A green board, single fin. Yeah, I think that's shelter, and yeah, that's like the Molloy brothers have always like, and Chris Molloy in particular because he's kind of the director, producer, visionary of like. Yeah. I mean, there's Dan Molloy who's expressor for an. They're all three of those brothers are Keith, Chris, and Dan Malloy are all brilliant in their own ways. And you know, Keith Malloy has the torpedo torpedo people and everything he's doing, and you know, Chris Malloy being too I think made shelter or thicker than water, but him being kind of cinematic visionary, like I remember with him, and this is like he this is how far ahead of the curve he was, is that I was assigned to go shoot Chris Malloy back, I think. This was like 97. I think I was, I was 18 at the time. I mean, he must have been like 25 or something. And I had to shoot a profile of him. So I shot the portraits of him, which was kind of like my background, you know, as a portrait photographer, or that was kind of like what I was getting paid to do was to shoot portraits of people. And so I shot the portraits and then I also had to shoot surf photos. I'm like, oh man, we got to get like really good ripping surfing of you. Like we got to show you how much you rip, Chris. Like we got to show how much like you shred. And then he's like, yeah, let's go shoot some surf photos. And he's like, meet me here. And we, I met him at the beach and I'm like, oh man, it's not that good. Like it was pretty crummy. I'm like, you're not going to be able to do an air out there. I need to get like a shot of you doing an air. Like I need to get a shot of you showing how much you rip. And this is just like me naive, like just, this is how like thick my skull was back then. It was just like, oh my God, I gotta like, I gotta portray him as like one of the world's best surfers. Like I gotta show that he can still do errors and that like, and not still, he was like in his prime then like that he rips. Like, like that was like my center visual experience with me shooting a photograph of him is that I felt conveyed. I needed to convey in him that like he ripped. And like, I could have been farther from the truth where like his mindset was. And so we showed up at the beach parking lot and he's looking at the waves and it was like two foot coming. He's like, let's go shoot some photos of me body surfing. (laughs) I'm like, what? He's like, I got like this belly board. Like, let's shoot some photos of me, like riding this like wooden belly board. And like, I'll do some like stuff on, and I'm just like, no, (laughs) I'm like, no, like, because that's, that's not like performance. Like that's not, like, that's, that's not, not going to get people the audience. Stoked. That's yeah. That's not going to get people stoked. People, people are going to like that. Like, and I don't know why it was like a good weird. I still think about that moment to this day because I felt like, I felt like he appreciated some of my creativity up until that moment where I said no. <laughs> and was like, right. And he, I think 
I think he just was like, like a gas that like, I didn't get it. Like I didn't get his whole deal. Like I was trying to make him something like, like I, I, in my own insane ego, I thought that I needed to convey this certain visual look aesthetic for him. Yeah. And it was just the stupidest moment of like, I look back on it and just being like, I don't even know. And I still have like brain gaps. Like I still have like brain farts like that with certain things where I look back at moments. I'm like, Oh, like why wasn't I more open-minded? Like what a stupid, dumb decision. Like, like I should have conveyed if that's what he wanted to do. And that's how he wanted to be conveyed. Why didn't I just do that? Yeah. Because but I that, was scared because, because that's like we I, talked about, like, you know, if, if you only could have known <laughs> then what you know now. Well, I think the magazines back then too were like very performance based and like, like I remember Jim to push that mentality of like, we've got to show people kicking ass. We got Yeah. And like, I, that was me working for surfing magazine at the time. And there was surfer magazine and there was surfing and surfing magazine at that time was very performance based. Like where surfer was more travel based, more art based potentially surfing magazine was very performance based and me being a minion of surfing magazine at that time. I felt like I needed to like help control that aesthetic. Yeah. And I remember Jamie Brissick worked there at surfing magazine. He eventually quit, but like he would try to showcase stuff to me all the time where it's like, this is this, you should shoot this art. You should do this. You should do that. And like, so slow to the game. Like it took me like nine months for Jamie, even Jamie's vision to resonate with me. Yeah. And by then he had already left the building. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm more artsy than this. I could, I'm more open-minded than this, yeah. than this building. And what, direction this is going at least that's he didn't say that but he was just on a whole different trip yeah yeah and uh yeah i guess we you know you you learn from your mistakes and you grow with them and with art in general like you should never try to put anything i feel like in a box yeah i still i still do it to this day i still think like oh there's you know these are the parameters this is only how far you can take it and like i do these stupid wine reviews on my instagram where like I do these silly TikTok dances at the beginning of them to every wine review. And I just do stuff like that because, and like whatever, 50 people watch it. And I do it for myself just because I, it's like, what, what else is another silly way to open up a wine review? Okay. Let's like do some silly dance. Like wine's associated with this, like, you gotta be this, you gotta be this. And like, I don't know. I, I just, I just want to be disruptive in, in all art now. Because yeah. I want to push everything as much as I can. Yeah. Even my silly yeah. Instagram wine review. Which... And do, do the things that you want to do, you know? Like we talked about with this podcast, you're like, I was trying to, you were, what did you say? You were like, I was trying to kind of figure out what the, the commonalities are from guest to guest, but uh, it just kind of seems like you have whoever. <laughs> yeah. I was like trying to stitch it together. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was much to my producer's chagrin, I, I have to say too. He was like, I told him my idea for the show. It was like, I'm going to talk to creative people. He's like, what kind of creative people? I was like, whatever. He's like, no, like you're a writer. You're going to talk to writers. I'm like, well, yeah, writers and like musicians and you know, whoever. <laughs> He's yeah. like, nobody's, nobody's going to listen to this. It has to be more dialed into a specific focused crowd. And, you know, I think I probably would have got more listeners faster. Um, if I was like, welcome to the writer's corner, but you know, slowly people are finding it and you know, from episode to episode, it just kind of keeps carrying over. And for the most part, it, it just keeps getting a little bit bigger. So it took a year to get it to a point where like I could get any fun, but yeah. <laughs> you get some, I'm honored, man. I'm honored to be here. 
Yeah, and I'm so glad that you are here too because, like I said, you're the only guest whose uh, work has actually inspired dreams <laughs> for me. That's insane. Um, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. And that's there's something too about. I'm gonna have to dig that magazine out that that you said that. Like I have to find those magazines. I bet I might still have them somewhere too in a Footlocker, in that room that I got behind my uh, trapdoor. Um, but I don't know what it is about photography. I've taken good pictures before, and it's almost like a surprise when I take one and it turns out really well. You know what I mean? Um, and it, it just seems like that it's a skill that you can't teach somebody like I could teach somebody how to be a better writer. Somebody who's a good painter could teach somebody to paint better, but I don't know that you could just teach somebody to have a, an eye for photography. Like, Oh, I should shoot that, but I should shoot it from here, from this angle, try to get this light. Like I see something. I'm like, Oh, that would be a cool picture. And then I snap a picture. I'm like, Oh, well that sucked. (laughs) Mm. I don't know. I, I, I can't get myself into the headspace of like, all right, let's think about this thing for what it is and what's the best way to represent it. I just point and click and sometimes it's good. Most of the time it's not. That's the best way to represent it part that you said is is interesting because I feel like there's two, there's kind of two things happening. There's like, to me, there's like almost like two mediums within photography. And I think one of them is the actual capturing like a pure moment yeah, where you're, this is a moment frozen in time. Like this incredible moment happened at a flash of a button. Yeah. I don't want like to family are, pictures. Are, I love family pictures where people are looking at each other and genuinely smiling. I can't stand it when you get a picture where somebody goes, Hey, everybody smile. You know, like I just throw those away. Yeah, totally. Right. So yeah. And I got, I, I think that's what I'm alluding to is I feel like there's, and this is just two of them, there's probably more, but just off the fly, the two things that I think about when I think about photography is, is one, capturing, capturing that super candid moment that's forever frozen in time. That's like, this is like a pure joyous moment or potentially a tragedy that's happened and it's never going to be able to happen again. And it's saved forever in this either slide or digital format or whatever. And so there's kind of that one, you know, there's that one aesthetic. And then I think the other aesthetic is telling an experience. And magazines kind of did the the both. You know, they kind of captured a moment in time, but they also told experiences. And I think from trans world, back even the trans world days, which is that photo issue that you referenced, you know, back in, I think that was 2004 or something, 2005. 2004 Uh, would have been right on. Yeah, 2004. So I think those magazines were made up of a lot of experiences. And experience are like our our cultivations of photos put together to tell like a very meaningful story through a visual experience. Hmm. And with we're slowly we're slowly like that experience of like trying to tell experience is getting harder with like Instagram and attention spans you know, shrinking and And the story has to be 15 seconds or less. And yeah, every story has to be 15 seconds or less. And I had this, I talked to Chris Picard. I don't know if you know who Chris Picard is, but he's a surf photographer and he's probably the most like well-known surf photographer in our space. He's got like millions and millions of photographer, like 
followers on Instagram and mm. like the face of Apple. Like you go to apple.com and you type in apple.com and like, like like the new MacBook and it's like a photo of like his face holding the MacBook. Like mm. he's just a massive rock star now. And um, he's also a former intern of mine who slept on my couch for about six months. <laughs> and he's hopefully you were nice to him then. <laughs> uh, yeah, we still talk weekly. Like we oh, went cool. through a period where like, you know, the whole, he was just very smart. Like he understood how to market himself brilliantly mm-hmm. from the get go, even as a young kid. And I gave him grief for marketing himself because I thought, I was just trying to be punk or keep it real. And boy, am I an idiot for trying to crush his dreams because it's obviously worked out really well for him. But anyways, besides here or there. um, Hey, man, you're a punk rocker. What can you say? I kept it real, dude. I got 4,000 followers on Instagram. He's got 4.5 million. But I kept it real. No, just kidding. Just stupid. (laughs) Like he's he's brilliant by no means. And we we get along great now. And um, But what I wanted to say is that I had this conversation with him last week and we talked about, it's funny. Like I bet you like he, it, he probably hadn't thought about this in a while, but you know, there was a period of time where you shot, you shot photos based on layout and you fought shot photos based on how they were going to look in a print medium and where the gutter was going to land and where like the photo would be centered and where, where your eye would draw attention to within the frame of like a print double page print magazine, or if you're shooting for a cover shot and you shot photos based on like, okay, I think this is going to be the spread. Like, I think this is going to be the two page spread photo. I think this one's going to be the full page. These are going to be the insert images. And you shot photography based on trying to capture a full experience in a print medium. And that was probably Chris's like, Chris shot like that. Like he shot going, I'm going to shoot this photo because it's going to be this photo on this page. And I did the same thing. And a lot of people kind of in my generation shot from that because they had a lot of creative control on how the photography was going to look in the print medium. And over time, as we switched to websites and singular images and eventually social media, where it became one image, kind of that second bucket that I talked about being the full experience kind of got lost in translation. Hmm. Like it just became, it became, uh, you know, like it became discombobulated. Like things didn't make sense anymore. There was no start and stop to like the start of a story. And that kind of got lost. And that is lost until, and, you know, I started seeing Stellar, which is like the new company that I started to work for a couple weeks ago. And I had actually seen the application um, like a year ago. One of my one of my friend photographers, Kevin Voitland, had shared it on because you could download it. Like you can create your story or your experience there. You could download it and you could post it on Instagram stories. And he had posted something like a year ago, and I was just like, "What the hell is this? Like it has a full start and stop. It's a mix of like photos and videos together." You know, it was like a full Instagram story experience, but in this like other medium. And that's kind of what Stellar, which who I'm currently working for now, is kind of that like, they're trying to like reestablish like the art of storytelling through a visual experience with like a very core like community of like, you know, 
they're trying to throw a little baby wrench into Instagram's algorithm, so to speak. And obviously Instagram is just massive, but like, Mm. it's a really cool experience. And like, it's an awesome creative experience for people that want to um, create photographs based on like a full A to Z experiences, which is like how I shot photos. Like if I was on assignment for surfing magazine, I need to go to San Francisco and shoot an event. Like I shoot everything from like, the food that I ate there to like the after party at 3 a.m. to the surfing itself. And I don't know. I just, I'm my current passion right now is just to try to kind of re-energize that through our world because, you know, that's just kind of being lost. Like it just sucks. It's like the digital currency of social media right now is like confined to these likes and impression goals and dude i just you know reach and retention and i just did pit mad yesterday yeah. on twitter which pit, have you pit heard mad? yeah pit mad have you ever heard of that pit pit i never have heard of that yeah pit mad it's the thing they pit do on mad. twitter four times a year and you're supposed to like format a, a pitch for your, your manuscript unpublished manuscript a certain way put it on twitter and then try to get people to retweet it and the more it gets retweeted then agents will start looking and then maybe want to take a look at your book so i did this thing all day yesterday Got how many how many what's the pitch like how many words this is so fascinating i i love the world the word world <laughs> yeah because i'm so shitty at it and it's so fascinating to me it's well, I mean, it's Twitter, so like, it's, what is it 180 characters. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's why I'm so intrigued by this. But you've got to put like the top line has to be two comparisons. So I put Red Dawn with time travel meets Stand by Me, and then my, you know, hundred characters. Then my, you know, four hashtags afterwards, and then all day long I'm just sitting there watching it, going, uh huh, uh huh. Oh, I got retweeted. Who did that? I should retweet theirs. There you go. I'll go out and retweet a couple other people's. Maybe they'll retweet mine. And then, you know, you're just sitting there all day just going like, did somebody click it? Oh, now I'll click it. Did somebody else click it? Oh, now I'll click it. You know, and by the end of it, I just wanted to break my computer in half. You're just like, it's like, uh, yeah. Living for that moment to moment. Oh, another like, another retweet. Oh, oh, oh. Who cares? Uh, Yeah, I think, and I think that's like, I'm trying to be more, it sucks. Like, I feel like people aren't going to realize that they don't need to be, there has to be some, like the the digital currency of like Instagram. Okay, cool. You have a million followers. You have 3 million followers. You created this like singular moment that's beautiful. You know, you created like a couple behind the scenes on Instagram stories that are just like, but like at some point, like if it's that meaningful and it's that incredible, like don't you want to like book that? Don't you want to keep that in some format that's like, I mean, we used to do issue. Like when we saw that print media was dying at Surfing Magazine and we hated like the format of the website and not being able to celebrate the A to Z, we moved to like issue, which is like a magazine, like a digital magazine publication just to showcase everything else because we wanted that photography to be celebrated and you could say like oh instagram stories like but just what instagram has become is not the creative medium that photographers cinematographers journalists should be using as their 
they're chasing impressions and retention and views mm-hmm. and clicks and shares. And it's not the pure place to like long-term like book bookmark or even like bookcase a series of like experiences. And I do think like, you know, Stellar is this scrappy little app and, you know, has a beautiful like community where everyone shares each other's stuff and clicks on it. And like, it's, they're all creatives. Like everyone that there is either a photographer, a cinematographer, a journalist, a graphic designer. Yeah. And like, everyone's just there for the pure art side of it to see like someone's really intimate creative experience. And I don't know, like long story short, like I just think it's a great application and I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I treat Instagram like it's just this like after hours, like sloppy place (laughs) that like I do my wine reviews at because I love wine and it's not serious at all. And it's like just my, my throw up social, you know, like it's, it's me being me in my sloppiest environment creatively. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I like Instagram for uh for the stellar stories pieces for uh for John's videos. <laughs> that dude's hilarious. Yeah. Um, John's, John's good. For artists he's a lot of follow. a lot of haters too. People love him or hate him. Well, if you get as many views as he does, you're definitely gonna get people that will yell out of the crowd, fuck this guy. Let's <laughs> do the guy's like the guy the I mean I don't know. Like, I think there's a stigma that comes with being a parent. And John has like two kids and like, you got to act this way and you got to be this. Like, I mean, John's got two boys that are, I think the same age as my boy and girl, four and seven. And it's like, I love John for that, that he just doesn't give a shit. Like, yeah. like he's, yeah, his Larry, video like, he's telling his kids about, you want to be a surfer so you can be spelt and pick up the trim at the beach. And they're like, what's trim? We'll talk about that when you're older. Yeah, like it's just like people don't understand like the irony in that like he's you know, or he just like the 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 satire, not the irony, but like there's just the satire in his whole spiel and his whole stick. Yeah. Like like he's laughing, he's like an and I hate the word influencer, but like he's a full like mid forties influencer who's been able to quit his day job as an ambulance driver in Long Beach because he's making silly videos like that's hilarious he went from like you know like a very extreme serious job to like a very silly light fun job and like yeah how can you hate on that if you hate on that you're just a hater like i mean right and he does not i mean this is like i'll like repost his stuff sometimes on my instagram and just as like story and people are dude why are you sharing that guy's stuff that guy's a <laughs> why what do you mean why is it because he talks about himself a lot? like who cares whatever like I don't know. yeah there's well even going back to like something like what what jonathan wayne freeman does or what goes on with like the signal podcast it's this whole idea of like somebody bearing all in a creative way whether it's like very like serious and spiritual or whether it's just being funny and trying to make you giggle you know some people just can't handle that kind of like honest expression. You know what I mean? Like they're just uncomfortable with it or they're mistrustful of it, you know, one or the other or both. Yeah. I mean, 
there's kind of a fine line between talking with your audience and talking at your audience, (laughs) I feel like. And I feel like there's a fine line also between standing on top of the pedestal and then stand and talking over your crowd rather than talking on the same ground as them and talking to them. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of the dilemma, right? Is like everyone has an opinion, everyone has a take. And just in particular, John, like I almost feel like he does it because Instagram has provided him the resource to talk about himself all day, all day, (laughs) any day, as much as he wants. And it's like, people don't see the satire in, in that, like, and people get like pissed, like people get generally mad and (laughs) um, it's, I don't know. It's like how anybody could not see that guy and just go, that guy's all right. No, people are like mad that he has an opinion. And it's like, just another guy with the opinion. Why does everyone have to have an opinion? Like, uh, don't talk to me like that, bro. Like, don't come at me like that. Like, and and that's part of the thing, you know? Like, even journalism and, like, it's so tough. There's just so many things to weave. And even myself, like, I catch myself even in these, like, silly wine reviews that I do where I'm just, like, starting to hate on people. Like, I'll get, like, <laughs> and be like, Mad at like the surf industry and being like, because I'm not in the surf industry anymore. Yeah, and I'll catch myself like ragging on the surf industry. Like, I was a surf photographer for 20 years, dude. Freaking respect me or whatever. And it's just like ridiculous <laughs> where I catch myself and I need to take a breath and just be like, does who cares? Like, does anyone care about my like? No one cares about my opinion on the surf industry. Like, like I'm a, I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that do. I would hope that people that are listening to this show, for example, you know, are are interested in the all the behind the scenes goings on of how things, how things roll. Well, I think that's different. Like me telling it how it is. And Versus when you're doing a wine review. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the difference is between me telling behind the scenes, the truth of things, which I really haven't done much of versus like me getting, trying to put my opinion or my voice on a social topic or a current event is like two different things. Yeah. Like one's, and one's totally like one's a truth opinion like this is how the surf industry these are the things that are wrong with the surf industry or these are the problems within the surf industry these are the things that the surf industry is facing right now from like an economic standpoint or a marketing standpoint or a socio standpoint like those things are like very black and white whereas my opinion on why gabriel medina isn't the best surfer in the world is full opinion so there's two different things there and they're totally like worlds apart but you know back to john stick that's like that's his opinion you know like whatever how did you end up meeting him because the video that you sent me of him uh getting killed on the beach <laughs> you uh you it said that you filmed and you wrote that too yeah so um so the way i started hooking up with john is this is really funny. I was up late one night. I was sleeping on the couch again. Just really quick. Like I want to make like, I sleep on the couch quite a bit actually. And I want to make like a card for my couch. Like happy anniversary. It's been like seven years. That's <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Whatever. Anyways. Um, so where was I going? Okay. John Wayne Freeman. Um, How did I meet? So I was up late one night on the couch, probably after a wine review. And, um, I was searching like random hashtags. Like I was really bored. This is really deep. I had probably had already watched like an hour and a half of YouTube. Like I'd probably gone through one of those. Yeah. 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 
I'd probably listen to like 10 Ariel Pink songs and like a whole bunch of like Nicki Minaj songs or something. <laughs> and like, I don't know, probably like had done like the whole gamut on YouTube for like an hour and a half. So I was like getting down to like serious boredom. <laughs> and so I started searching probably random hashtags. And I think I searched the hashtag Talega. Talega, for anyone that doesn't live in the greater Southern California or the greater San Clemente region, is an inland new. Not new now, but new at the time in the in the late nineties district of San Clemente. That's like the inland new district of San Clemente where every house is like looks exactly the same. It's like white stucco, adobe looking, like just track homes for miles. And so there's kind of like a stigma with Talega that it's like new money, baby boomers, day traders. Hmm. And so I was searching that tag just because I don't know. I was just some angsty, stupid moment. Probably was. Mm-hmm. I was probably looking for some like ta- hashtag because I was gonna like get up, get my troll on, and like tap off on like somewhat random human at one thirty in the morning <laughs> on a Wednesday night. Like, like why? What? Why? I don't know. Like that's an insane, extreme boredom. <laughs> like ridiculous. Like who does that? And I'm not a troll by any means. Like I do not know this. This is just a freak occurrence. So, anyways. <laughs> I was I was searching the tag. I was searching the tag to Lega and John's social profile came up. What? Like, what's this like random like 35-year-old dude tagging Talega? I clicked on the video and it was John's video, and he had like a 60-second rant about how much he hated Talega. I was like, what? You hate Talega? Like, I don't even know. I don't even hate Talega. I don't. I don't even li- I've even lived in San Clemente for 20 years. I need to talk to my therapist about this, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um I clicked on the video and then I DM like, fuck yeah, fuck that place, man. And he had gotten back to me like a week later. He's like, Pete, oh, Pete Terrace, like you're that surf photographer. Like my wife knows you. <laughs> uh, allegedly, I'd I'd like gone out to the bar with his wife like a handful of times. <laughs> and I think I was trying to I was saying this is like 15. <laughs> that sounds really weird, but I think what happened is I was yeah, I, the like, language. I, I allegedly I, went out with his wife. Allegedly. <laughs> but no, I had I had gone to the beach fire with his wife a couple times because she had a bunch of friends and I was single at the time and I think I had a crush on one of her friends. Mm. And I don't think that worked out because she like denied it or whatever. Because it's not your but wife. So, <laughs> no, it's not my wife. Obviously it didn't work out. Um, desperado. No, why um, don't you go? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. So, I'm like, well, I work at Serpent Magazine. Like, we should do something together. And um, he's like, yeah, man. I'm like, really? Like, I'm like, yeah. So he came in the office, and and my boss at the time, Micah Abrams, is like, you guys just got to do a show. And like, we had just met each other for like 15 minutes, and so we're kind of looking across the table, like, do a show, and then. I was like, yeah, you guys just gotta just do a show. Just my boss is like, just do something fucking fun. Just do something funny. Yeah. Just go out and make something funny. And like I was heading all of Surfers Digital at that time and kind of imagining their social and all their integrated project with like sponsors and things with money attached to it. And so they kind of took that off my plate and they're like, you just need to go make some funny surfer stuff. Like Surfer has a very serious tone to it right now. Like we need to lighten it up and like make some funny stuff. And so we started ultra core surf hour, which is like a series of six episodes. And we 
did six episodes together and it was, I wrote all of it. I directed it. I wrote the screenplay. I wrote the lines for it and sometimes filmed it. And it was just kind of like a shit show of like funny stuff of like two strangers that didn't know each other kind of getting together. <laughs> and like the shows are like very like truthful. Like there's stuff in there like where he's, you could tell he's getting upset with me. And then we went on to do like <laughs> Surf Jeopardy together. And like we did a Surf Jeopardy show during COVID, which actually was really fun. And people loved it. And we gave away like cash, like we gave away brand new surfboards and stuff. People loved it. That's awesome. Um, and then we created season two, which I wrote out five episodes for. And we actually made two episodes, which Hold have on. not aired this day. I got to ask you. Did you do much writing before or were you just like, oh, I'll figure it out? I wouldn't say this is writing that like when I wrote it, like, well, I mean, you sat down with a pen or a computer and were like, what will he say? I'll have him say this or have him do that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I hammered that's, out like, that's still I mean, writing. I mean, <laughs> just because yeah, you don't consider out yourself a writer, three pages of, I hammered out like three pages of like a screenplay or like six pages of a screenplay for it. I don't know. Like John says this, this is what the shot scene is. This is how the shot looks. This is how the shot's set up. This is what he's going to say here. Here's camera A, here's camera B. Here's the B roll that we need to get. Here's the music. Like, yeah, I did all that like on the fly. I never had zero experience with it, but I Googled it. Yeah. um, Figured it out. And like we did six episodes like that. And then we created like two episodes for a season two, which have never aired. And I have one of them in rough that like I want to put out maybe on Cook of the Day. Yeah. But it's kind of surface material, and I don't know. So it's kind of like a weird gray area. Uh, we'll see. And then the second episode we created, I lost, <laughs> like, somewhere. It's like, that sounds so messed up, but it's really funny. Like, the first episode is, I. so you know the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix? I don't think I've seen it, no. Oh, come on. Sorry. Yeah, had to no. Her, like, Joaquin Phoenix dates a computer. <laughs> he starts dating a computer app no never no but I, I like the sound of it that just sounds like a comedy though made by spike jones oh um, well i should watch that dude it's so good it's so good it's so depressing and so good <laughs> um it's like right up there with like internal sunshine for a spotless mind and oh wow. that movie had one of the i mean that movie couldn't have ended any other way but when you when the first time I saw that movie and it ended, I was just like, for real? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember me and my best friend were going through like these massive breakups right when that happened. Like our first loves. Ooh, that's that not the movie you want to see. Oh, just like totally rattled. Like oh. went back to my house and listened to Connor Nobers and Bright Eyes for about like <laughs> two weeks straight. Yeah, that's not a movie if you're just going through a bad breakup you want to watch. But her, yeah, if you're listening to a lot of Elliot Smith, don't oh watch gosh, that. Movie. Yeah, just just put it on XO or <laughs> Elliot Smith. The day after Elliot Smith committed suicide, I went to Sound Studio in LA, where the memorial and where the album cover of Figure Eight is shot, and went there and wrote my name on his wall. I was that, and then I proceeded to drive from his little service spot to the Oregon to the Canadian border and back because I was that freaked out. He was that influential in my life. Um wow. Yeah, he was yeah, he was a big thing. Um but yeah super talented uh, dude. Very unfortunate yeah, then awful ending. Um but 
oh, where are we going? Okay, before that, uh, yeah. So her, we we mimic the movie her, yeah. where John falls in love with Surfline, which is a surf application that tells you how good the waves are going to be. And we start to date her, <laughs> and we did the whole thing, and I think it's hilarious. And everyone at Surfer thought it was horrible, <laughs> which makes it even more funny. <laughs> it's like twenty minutes long. Of John Wayne Freeman dating a Surfline app, it's hilarious. I think I think it's funny, but I'm. I would watch that. And the second the second episode is remember when they created the Tesla car? Uh, I mean, I wasn't there, but yeah, the Tesla truck. Oh yeah, and and uh, Elon Musk throws like a rock, and it actually broke the window. (laughs) And it broke the window. (laughs) So we created, (laughs) we created the uh, mid length like Tesla surfboard. And created like a 15 minute episode behind that, which never aired. And it's pretty funny. I don't know. Maybe it's not as funny as the second, but I lost that episode. I don't know where it is, but um, it's, it's somewhere next to some random. Yeah, exactly. We'll find it. But I, I, I think that's what, and this comes like full circle to what we we're talking about. Like an hour ago. It's like, I think, I think that's where surfing like has the most to gain is, is getting back to what, why we did it in the first place. And yeah, the sport aspect of surfing to me is like, as I get older and I, I don't know, it just becomes more silly and like, you know, it hasn't progressed. Like surfing hasn't progressed that much in like in the grand scheme of things, it really hasn't progressed that much since like 92. Like people are still doing the same moves as they were in those, you know, to reference you those 90, 1992 Kelly Slater when he first won, you know, or Kelly Slater's first wild world title or those 92 surf movies are what was happening at that turn of the century between the eighties and nineties. Like not much has changed. It's like new people doing mm-hmm. like kind of the same moves, just faster and more quicker and more of their cramming move into, into one wave. Like it's at a faster pace, but like, I don't know. I think people are just slowly getting burned out on it. And the world surf tours, like, you know, it sucks. They've been dealt like a major, a major issue with COVID. Like you can't do a world tour with COVID. I'm curious if you think that part of like surfing, just kind of getting stuck had anything to do with like, it seemed like surfing had like a, a huge mainstream thing, like around the time that like, what was it? Uh, blue, blue crush yep. came out. Jack Johnson started getting real mm-hmm. popular. And then all of a sudden, like, it was, like, fashionable again to, like, get into surfing or at least, like, wear surfer clothes even if you weren't a surfer. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I don't know how many people in Michigan wear Billabong shirts and O'Neill shirts and, like, they've never even seen a surfboard. Um, so, I don't know. Did Do you think that this, like, Kelly Slater's video game and all the music and all the movies, like, just kind of got things stuck? Like, people were like, oh, I like this, so let's not change it. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know why things, it's like the stock market, you know, it's like, why do things become hot? And then they're not, you know, like why it's like, I don't think it's as easy as saying, oh, there's this run with Jack Johnson and blue crush and all these other major films and these celebrities learning how to surf and the economy and surfing being cool. Like, 
that's all going to come. It just comes in waves. It's going to happen again. No like, pun intended. Yeah, no pun intended. Exactly. Like this spring, you're going to see an influx of Hawaiian shirts like you've never seen. Like guaranteed. Like every surf manufacturer and every like small surf brand is making Hawaiian shirts and planning for Hawaiian shirts to be this massive spring summer trend. We're just talking about like the normal button-up shirts with the flowers on them, right? You watch. Like this stuff's already like forecasted like six months in advance. Like every surf brand will have a printed Hawaiian shirt this summer. My dad is actually going to be ahead of the curve on fashion for the first time in decades. It is. It's crazy. I'm like, what? Like, I mean, you know, that's what's going to be selling. And it's the the bucket hats, you know? Now it's like the round brim bucket hats with like the floral print on it. Like... All this stuff comes in like crazy waves. Who takes the lion's share of that within our industry though and how that operates? I don't have enough business experience to like know like how, like I said, the, whoever's doing the best paid marketing, whoever has the best SEO, who's ever ranked the highest on Google on first page surfs. I don't know. You know, this stuff comes in waves and surf culture comes in wave. I mean, you see Quavo and like the Migos like wearing Hawaiian shirts like a couple months ago now everyone in the world is like hopping on that train yeah. you know like that stuff is like it's weird fashion's a weird thing and sort of fashion's a weird thing and what makes it hot at certain times and what makes it not hot at certain things it's like i don't know you'd have to talk like to like a marketing director with like a surf brand or something yeah well it goes back to the instagram whoever the hottest surfer is whatever they Tell people to go buy and wear. Or it's an interesting they wear. case study, though. It's like, I don't know how much push and pull they do have because, like, a lot of professional surfers are losing their jobs to, like, other people that are more influential. Performance marketing and I forget the term of it, but they call it, like, computer, computer, computer learnings or whatever. Whatever it is, is, like, you take someone who's really funny, like John Wayne Freeman, that people like and adore because he's himself... And he's selling Pit Viper sunglasses. You put a prof- professional surfer that's on tour with those Pit Viper sunglasses. You give them the same messaging, and you go out there and you do a, a paid Facebook ad with both of them. Who sells more glasses? Like John probably sells more glasses because he's authentic. Yeah, and people realize that like he just likes the glasses, and he came on board as an ambassador of the brand because he thought it was funny and and liked it and liked the product. Like. What moves product right now is like authenticity and like real personalities. Like paying someone because they surf really good doesn't move product. Yeah, it's like kids see right through that. Like kids might appreciate their their surfing and going like, "Oh, this guy rips." I don't want to name any names because that sucks. But like this person rips and this person surfs good, but they're not they're not moving product. They're not moving soft goods. They're not moving sunglasses or sandals or whatever the product within our industry is like, unless they're like John, I mean, John, John Florence moves product guaranteed, but I think businesses are slowly changing their, their model of thinking because all that stuff you can AB test. And I do think, I mean, I mean the AB testing side of things and the digital performance marketing sides of things is kind of in its infancy in where brands are just going to start giving tracking links to a whole bunch of different influencers athletes a ton of people and they're just going to get a percentage on the sale and whoever sells the most based on that tracking link that's who they're going to keep around and they're going to test so there's 
brand ambassadors are basically just commissioned salespeople. Yeah. And I think what they'll do is like, they'll just start doing smaller contracts and go like, okay, we got this team. Let's give them all this tracking link to this product. And then let's test these 20 other people that we found off this third party app, such as Grin, which is an influencer app. Let's figure out who, who moves the product. That's who you pay. Whoever's moving the product, that's who you pay. You don't need these pro, pro surfers. If this funny guy or this this silly guy in Encinitas, California that's doing wine reviews and doing TikTok dances to him, whose um, <laughs> product for yeah. you? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Huh. But that's kind of the world, way the world's going, I feel like. Yeah. Well, at least there's a few people out there that kind of have a handle on it because I don't know not only what is going to happen, but I'm not sure what's happening now most of the time. Yeah, I think Jeff Bezos has a pretty good handle on it. Yeah, yeah, he's right. He's okay. Him and him and Elon Musk are like in a, a war to be king of Mars yeah, right I think now. So. Right? Amazon's a trippy one. In what way? Uh, I think we're in a very disrupt, and I don't. know. I'm so new at this. Like, I've literally been doing like business for like nine months now, ten, uh, twelve months, and I'm like <laughs> so beyond green. So by no means am I some like day marketer or some like business guru that went to school. I didn't, I didn't even graduate high school, but I, I do. Oh, right <laughs> I, I barely graduate high school actually. That's not true, but I never went to college, but like, I do think it's interesting that like, there's so many kids out there that are like latching on to like the drop shipping and Amazon's tough with that. But like kids are like, Oh fuck it. Like I'll make a t-shirt. I'll make a coffee mug. I'll make like my own sandals. I'll just like, Oh, you mean I could just like, you know, I can create these, I can buy these here in the United States or I could buy them in China or whatever. And then I could sell them on my own Shopify store or I could sell them on my own Amazon store. Mm-hmm. Why not? And I think, yeah, you know, there's those platforms out there where kids are just going like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to create my own company. I'm going to create my own seltzer company. I'm going to create my own beer company. Like, why am I going to give this money yeah. to someone else? Like, I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. And I just feel like that's like an upward trend of young entrepreneurs like creating their own businesses and day trading. And like, there's so many surf photographers now that I know that are just like incredible in like day trading stocks and stuff. And you're like, I can't even like put butter on my toast. How you guys like, that's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. The internet's cool. I should get better at using it. Yeah. For all those things. I need to get better at social media. I need to get better at marketing, like myself marketing the show. Yeah, like it's it, this stuff comes. I don't know who installed it. Like, I don't know who put the hardware into like our the, the generation of like that's like twenty three and under, twenty five and under. But like all this stuff comes second nature to them. Yeah. Like, oh, I gotta have, I gotta have stocks. I gotta have a stock portfolio, like GameStop. Like, <laughs> you know, I gotta have these stocks. Like, I'm day trading you know, using third-party apps and selling and buying. Like, this is how they're thinking. It's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Like, everyone has a stock portfolio. They're drop shipping a couple products on, on Shopify in the meantime. Like, they're just cruising. Because, yeah. And they just got all these little hustles. Like, yeah. for us, it was like delivering pizzas and getting like a $4 pizza tip, you know, delivering pizzas like down the street or like yeah, right. waiting tables. And these kids are like, creating their own Amazon shops and day trading. And it's, it's, it's it's absolutely insane. One of the highest paid YouTubers is like nine. 
That too. That too. Is it Jack Jack? Is it is that the kid? I was thinking of Ryan, the kid that does the toy oh, reviews. My God. And he's got the Walmart. Uh, not Walmart. Yeah, Walmart. I think he's got a line of toys at Walmart or something like that too. Fuck that kid. <laughs> well, I'm not it's too worried story. about that kid, but like it just seems weird that like a child would have hundreds of hours of video of him on the internet and that's okay but like child work laws on a movie set like if you had applied that to to mm-hmm. his that kid's house and how how often he's allowed to film Ooh, that's a good point you might be onto something there yeah uh my son has watched like a thousand hours of the axel show or blippy and there's and you never and blippy yeah and it you never see the same video twice and there's always like every day it's like here's five more new ones yeah, like Blippi has like forty, like forty million views or something this year. Yeah, alone already, like forty million. And and Axel's another one. And I like the Axel show because the dad's just kind of cool and kind of normal. And Blippi's kind of a weirdo. <laughs> Blippi, Blippi, do you know Blippi? You you know Blippi, right? Yep, my kid used to. My youngest used to love him about a Dude, year or two ago. So Blippi, we got into Blippi when Penelope was young. Blippi had like I, I swear I'm not a troller, but so the guy's real name I forget his name. He had like his personal Instagram, and like his personal Instagram was just all these like raving photos. He's just like glow sticks, just raving like crazy. But it turns <laughs> out that he pooped, he pooped on one of his friends' face for money, like ten years ago. It just came out, and he's like in super <laughs> big trouble. But yeah, he like crapped on his face. It's it is not worth becoming that famous. I mean, I'm not saying that I've ever pooped on somebody's face, but like somebody will find something of you yeah. doing something stupid, doing something wrong, just being a fuck up at some point in your life. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think it's worth having that much of your life under a microscope to be, to be, yeah, like yeah, it's insane. So, yeah. Dozens of millions video. of followers and no. They found a video of him pooping on some dude's face, but um, there's actually a video of it. Holy yeah, there's, there's a video of him like poop on some dude's face, I guess. Yes. Uh, it was on TMZ or something like that. But but the YouTube thing is like a whole nother like strategy that millennials are are working with is you know, like, oh the pre-roll, I'm gonna sell the pre-roll and then but I think those days are kind of short lived just because the vlog is like it's so beyond oversaturated and everyone in the world wants to do it. And but it's crazy, like there's one channel that my kid watches that is just trucks. Just like normal trucks, like on a dirt lot. The guy filmed it with like an iPhone three or four, like a 20 year old, like the first original iPhone. And it's just like some toy truck just playing in dirt. And the thing has like 50 million views. So if the YouTube pre-roll monetization on 50 million views is like for a million views, I think it's like, uh, for a million views, it would be like, thousand bucks i think so 50 that's, million would be like what 50 grand or something like that five thousand bucks 50 50 or five i don't know yeah but no 50 that's on 50 that's, so it's like fifty thousand, right yeah yeah no a million views only pays like 800 dollars or something like that does it really yeah for the pre-roll yeah yeah i think huh. it pays depending on how many ads if you do the double ad or if you do the 15 second ad or the 30 second ad like it's different monetization like we did that surfer it was it was stupid we should have we should have never of we should have never left Vimeo. it's like dumb um just because the monetization and youtube p- 
pins you into like using music that you don't want to use. So like then you make a contract with like music agencies and then you're stuck using a music agency, what you're paying for all because so you can get this pre-approved music on YouTube. So you can grow your YouTube subscriber base so you can get more views organically per video. I guess it is, but like, I don't know. I think it's just so beyond, I think YouTube so beyond is so oversaturated Yeah, and with vlogs, but there's these niches where it's like, Dude, like we fall asleep every night to meditation music on YouTube. Yeah. And those like meditation videos on YouTube have like a hundred thousand views, like a hundred million views. And you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the video is like six months old, and you're like, a hundred million. You're like, yeah. dude, my, my boys' room, every single night, they listen to uh what's it called? One of the Med new Jones. horizon meditations. Yes. yes, 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 new horizons ones. And yeah. it's like there's a good new, so there's like the generic uh, New Horizons ones, but the original one with like the, um, there's the one of the Playhouse, and then there's the one of Santa Claus and the North Pole, and then there's the puppy one. The puppy, and we got the puppy, and it's the softest <laughs> puppy you've ever had. Sorry, I don't know what just happened there. New Horizons vlog was a deal breaker for you, wasn't it? I wasn't. I didn't want to hear you talk bad about them, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's crazy. YouTube's a crazy thing. It is, and uh, um, you know, I thought about just not getting back on here because I've already had you on be- for like two and a half hours. Congratulations, man! Fist bump. That's a that's the longest Jesus. show. Well, what else am I gonna do on a Friday night? <laughs> Actually, the uh, I've had one other show that went like, I think close to two hours, and my producer like called me the day after I I uploaded, it and he's like, "Jesus, you, what'd you guys talk about that whole time?" I was like, "I don't know." Well, you had to <laughs> slim this down to like thirty minutes of like prime real estate. Yeah, there you go. I'll have it all quick cuts, and it'll be like there. It was. It'll almost sound scripted. Like there was no pauses between anybody talking. We'll be the two sharpest, fastest <laughs> guys on the uh, yeah. web. Yeah. Jesus. Well, it's getting late. Uh, there. Is there anything else we need you, you want to wrap up with? It's actually it's gotten it's gotten early here. Yeah, it's almost it's one o'clock in the morning. Jesus Christ! It's cool. I had a I had a uh, soda when I was doing the other podcast, so I'm I'm pretty caffeine sensitive. So it 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 kept me up. I yawned once or twice while we were Ooh. talking, but it had nothing to do with you. I promise. How dare you? I know I hid my face behind my pop screen so you wouldn't and see it. And that beard. And this beard. Dude, this mustache is insane. I can pull it down right now to yeah, to like that far. Oh my gosh. That's well. And the funny thing is, I had a kind of a bigger a little bigger than this one, a beard, and I trimmed it myself and I screwed it up. So I was like, damn it. And I just took it down to like a one guard, but I was like <laughs> I'm not going to touch the mustache. So I left this big mustache and then grew the beard back out. Haven't bit the mustache or trimmed that. And it's just huge now. The first time the other day I was eating something and I took a bite and I went, ow. And the hair pulled in my teeth. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I look oh like a homeless. God. I look like a, I look like a homeless guy right now with my, with my bald head, just. Hair wisping in the wind. Maybe David Cross Jr. <laughs> yeah. 
I got the kid. For a second, I thought you were going to say David Crosby. <laughs> no, not him. Got to get, I got to get Giuseppe his medicine money. <laughs> uh, well, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, tell anybody who's listening right now, I'll put it in the show notes too, but tell them where they can find your stuff and uh, what they should be looking for from you. You can find me at stellar.co backslash Peter Terrace, a social media platform that I am. If you want to find my surf photography or just chat about photography in general, we can hang out there. Also, my chess.com profile is Peter Terrace as well, too. If you want to play a game of chess, I usually go uh, queen en passant and push pawn on e4 to e5. So um, trying to push the, the chess thing, too. And then yeah. um, Instagram, which is uh, just Peter Terrace. I think it's my Instagram. I do a I do a, a a nightly wine review usually for Trader Joe's bottles under ten bucks. I will give you the highest insights hey. into. We didn't talk. We didn't talk wine, which is such a massive part of my life. But that's okay. We could do that in the next two and a half hours. Well, yeah, I was gonna say part two coming uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> but but surf wine is my my surf wine review, where I pair the best Trader Joe's wines in ten dollars with the world's best surfers with notes of Gabriel Medina and Adriana de Souza, which is a hit of Clay Marzo <laughs> in this one right here. So, um, lovely. Yeah. So wine reviews and obviously cook of the day, which we're starting to make some content on there and trying to save money by selling enough t-shirts so that we could spend all that money to make funny shit to make everyone laugh. <laughs> yeah and then uh i'll see if i can't get a link to that uh video you sent me to with the, the one that you and john oh. made and then also no no that drag, too and then drag, also drag. um yeah man i i still that song you were talking about earlier stuff that's in your living in your head rent free that song this is what you want this is what you get yeah that's really that's really really good those guys are those guys get it that's fun. That's fun surfing. That's where surfing needs to get back to. Yeah, that and the shot of the guy driving his uh, tractor and pulling his trash <laughs> behind it. That that shot, for some reason, more than any other shot, so good. in my head. See, that's fun. Go to the beach, have fun, laugh, have a good time with your friends, high five, and just don't take surfing too seriously. Yeah, it's supposed to be fun, everybody. Yeah, it's It's inclusive. It's not exclusive. And uh, that's why we're here. We want to have friends with the front. We all want to have fun with their friends and put a smile on their face. That's right. We're all kooks in our own way. Yay. Depending on the day, you or I. Yeah. 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 If you ever see a, a fat, bald guy with a little bit of hair on his back trying to stand up, but he can't quite get his back knee off the board, Those that might be me. Are, Just hey, and, tell me good job, buddy. And that might, be my, that might be my highlight is that you actually, you're stoked on standing up for the for the first time and the smile on your face might make my day <laughs> for real. And that's what it's all about. There you go. Seriously. Like I've, I've had more fun watching other people get the wave of their life or day. Those have been some of my favorite surf sessions is watching someone else have the best time ever. Yeah. And if you're trying to be the world's best surfer, I don't know. Sometimes that's just not that fun. Yeah. No, I, I'm sure the the guys that are all, 
putting it all on the line to try to be the best just like look at kids or even grown-ups who suck and are just smiling and are like man i think those guys have got it right not me yeah <laughs> of course i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't give up their endorsements or their paychecks or anything like that either oh, it's but... a good we should have to do a case study on that yeah good <laughs> yeah figure out figure out what is the perfect amount of taking yourself seriously and not giving a shit <laughs> That's the magic potion right there. Mm-hmm. If we ever figure out the uh, the magic balance, then we're going to be bajillionaires. Jeff, SpaceX, um, Surf X, yeah, we'll Surf X, we'll, the next frontier. Yeah, we'll throw our hats in the ring. Uh, we'd like to also be king of Mars. We're going to be the um, king of Waco. No, the king of yeah, Waco. There's a there's a surf pool there. Never mind. That's your audience oh, isn't okay. going to get that. <laughs> Never mind. I thought I thought you were talking about no, that. Uh, the no, weird no guy. that too <laughs> Waco, texas has a it's like you can, you can be like that guy david, I, uh, i'll support you from uh, afar that documentary is amazing by the way but david uh david crush right yes that sounds right <laughs> I, w- I always wanted to say uh mark david chapman no, david but that's the other guy. Yeah. well this has been a fun podcast man we we talked about all kinds of shit which is perfect for me because i've got one of the most add brains <laughs> possibly ever yeah you can challenge me we're gonna have an ad we're gonna have an ad fest yeah this maybe next time we do talk we should have somebody in the room with us just going like hey guys i guys. think so yeah you you could you <laughs> you 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 might beat me on the yeah we you can give me a run for my money we, we're gonna we're gonna need a referee yeah i still don't think i've asked you the one question yet we just have been talking I was gonna tell you this thing, but oh, hey, and then yeah, and then this too. I started right, thinking yeah. about it, and then I was like, oh, yeah, like I'm gonna answer that, and then we started. We, we've our our front. If if our if this podcast was a front yard, it would be full of massive gopher holes in different terrains that we went down. Oh, I thought I thought you were gonna say it would just be littered with lots of different car parts, but none of it was actually makes well, a full thing. Same analogy. Like that. That's a better analogy. I thought one better. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's good though. I think you should do a Nintendo podcast though. Oh, dude. Maybe I will. I want to talk way more about Nintendo. Like the Nintendo hat makes me so Yeah, and golf. We didn't even say Nintendo uh, golf with Mario as the guy that you golf with. That's pretty good, but I I love them. That the Nintendo hat made me so happy. I know, man. I, me too. I'm so bummed out though that it's starting to chip off just a little bit right here in the top. So rad. So Gotta That's go find insane. a new one. And you know so what? Cool. I looked on the inside to see, well, who made this hat? And all it says on the inside is Nintendo Company. One size fits all made in China. You just, you just need to start a drop shipping company and just start making those. There you go. I love that. It, it wouldn't be as cool as this one because this one actually you can feel the buttons. Oh, it's so rad. They're raised. Yeah. I'm pretty cool I like love that. that hat. I know. It's so cool. <laughs> well, if I find another one for myself, I'll get one and send it to you. That would be incredible. I love that. Hell yeah, brother. All right. All right hey, man. man, it's been great getting to know you. You too. Um, let's keep in touch, huh? And then uh, your episode will be out in just a couple days on Monday. All, all four and a half hours of it. That's fantastic. Yep. All, all 15 <laughs> hours in uh, in three different miniseries chunks. Oh, my chunks. God. Let's do a part two soon, please. Yeah, man. That was cool. I'll definitely keep you in the uh, imaginary Rolodex. You know, nobody actually oh, has man. a real one of those anymore. But uh, mm. yeah. Yeah, let's keep in touch, man. Any, that was any so cool, cool stuff comes your way. Thank you so much. Yeah, any cool stuff comes your way, bad. pass it to me, man. I love I love your style. I love I love it all. 
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you some links to some things if you want to put it in your in your page or whatever. Sure. Yeah, for sure. But that and then was if cool. you got a, anything else that you want me to uh, talk about too, I I have a little blog, and I can uh, I, I usually talk about something that I you know pulled away from the guest or something like that, or if a guest has stuff they want to plug, I'll put it. Yeah. Up okay. I'll send you some more stuff. Hell yeah. All right, man. Get some sleep. Thanks for so much of the time, and thanks for having me. That was this was my first podcast experience, and it was awesome. I loved it, man. And Thank you. I'm going to tell people that we're friends now, so expect texts every now and then, just being like, oh, "Hey, man, dude. How's it going? yeah, you sleep, yeah. sleep on my couch." I mean, we'll have to share it because I sleep on it too. But okay, that's cool. We'll make a, a we'll make couch. a freak we'll make a freak den with a freak, couches, a freak chamber, yes. a freak chamber. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. We'll we'll sleep in the freak chamber. We'll hold hands. Yes. Cool, man. All right, everybody, check out Peter Terrace. He's the coolest guy on the planet, says me. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Let's play chess. Yay. Wine or surf. Yes. Or something. All all of the above at the same time. Yeah, let's do it all. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this interview with Peter Terrace. Check him out. I've got all of his uh, contacts in the notes. And you know what? Go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash creative ops and buy me a coffee. And then hit me up on my social media after you go to ChristopherTallon.com. Say hey, and I'll say hey back to you. And it'll be awesome.